said and welcome to not your magical negro a podcast where we'll be taking a deep dive into black fantasy and horror dissecting shows and movies through a black and queer lens this season we continue to explore lovecraft country a show where the horrors and reality of racism are far more frightening than any creature or monster from our imaginations and if that ain't the motherfucking truth especially in this episode in particular i mean Listen. It was it was interesting because well, so I mean we're gonna get into it, of course, because but it was interesting because uh, for a little bit the um politics, political environment kind of took a little bit of a backseat to the more um fantastical elements that were happening within the last few episodes, which is which is which was fine. But I do like that again, it it came back to remind you again the time that we're 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 living in. Talk about a circle. Yeah, it just came back full circle with it. And I mean it was I mean it's just this episode is wild. And again, I mean I know we talked about a little before we got on here, but this was just, I was I was shocked when I read the end credits and saw that Misha Green wrote so much of it because tell me this is not some shit straight out of Jordan Peele's mind. This whole episode. Honestly, I feel like, first of all, I think it just really uh, tells us that there is just way more Black creatives, science fiction creatives than we have ever known. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people like Jordan Peele really just kind of paved a way to normalize it, where we're not just coming Very up with true. the same movies yeah. every, every time. You know, it's and, honestly, um, it's true. Before we get started, I just want to say, I'm sorry, y'all. I know it's upsetting. Um, we, we were supposed to give you two episodes tonight, and we can only give you one. But I will say this, this episode is so much, you'll be okay. That's first. We'll make it one good, really good one. We promise. We, we gonna give it to you. Okay, that's first off. <laughs> um, but just so you know, like I had a birthday. My mom had COVID. Uh, I think it's 36 now. I mean, listen, I, I don't know what it is, but since the beginning of the new year, it's just been like, I mean, back in, I mean, travel, you know, I'm out here in Atlanta. And it's been from Atlanta to North Carolina, and and I was in Maryland, and then I was back and forth. It was, back it was and just forth. yeah, it was just getting on planes. It's been wild, you know. But I, all of this to say, you know, it's no excuse, especially for all of our beautiful listeners who have been following us all the way through. So, uh, I mean, with that being said, I mean, let's just jump right the fuck let's in on into jump in like for real, for real. So. Yo, episode eight is called Jigaboo. Only this show would go ahead and name an and name an episode. Why Jigaboo people cannot say they, you, you know. like you? <laughs> you really <laughs> made a whole episode, and they have to be like uh, J expletive expletive <laughs> G. And like, you, you know, like, have you seen episode eight? It's called the J word. Uh, <laughs> have you seen it? It's no, I. I'm sorry. This was, I just had to put that out. Again, it's the fact that Misha Green wrote this episode, if I'm not mistaken. And I love just the, the, 
because of course she like it just of course she could get away with this <laughs> like it's just giving you black as fuck no matter what no matter what no matter what and i love it's it. just giving I... you black as fuck no matter what and it's just unapologetic and that was one of the reasons that we wanted to start the show to begin with you know because i i mean it really was just so unapologetically just black i mean even down from the don't gotta talk about me now i mean they're all and they're like double dutching on the block and like i was like all of it all of it or to even the parties letty through i yeah. mean and you know how i love the you know uh uh, uh of the history the, of yeah of, of of that time exactly but you know i gotta i gotta remember the time and you've only ever really seen it in like through like a white lens so i mean seeing like you know how like you know we was getting down back in the day like i was just yeah. like yo like, that's it right what era we was popping it was i was just like so we popping no matter one what thing it's always gonna be is popping like no matter what era no matter what time i'm sure even harriet tubman was throwing it up like back in the back in the Bruh, day. Like, also were... by the way she was the pisces too and... was she i didn't know that i have uh her and nina simone because you know it's my birthday so i'd be looking at black bitches who also got my birthday i could see nina simone being a pisces <laughs> because her life was pretty tragic but but <laughs> i didn't mean to be i wouldn't <laughs> I say that with all of it. I say that with all over the world because my life. Early, I mean, you'd be seeing a pattern. Tragic. I can't. Man, man. It's I just can't. like attracts like. I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? I can't <laughs> pretend that that's that not wasn't me. a dig. I just want to put it out here. By the way, Pisces <laughs> said, you know, this, you know, we talked about this. Pisces. I just want our listeners to know, has always been. Uh, I call them my my favorite fish friends. My school of fish. <laughs> I'm always surrounded by my by my by my favorite fish friends, and I love them. The, Straight like, up, um, no, no. I feel I like mean, Pisces is like water and Libra, but that's just me. I didn't even know that Libras were so dope until you. <laughs> I never really met any. I you take that as the highest. I fucked a few, but that's not me. I met, I didn't really meet you. You know, I mean, no, so no, I true, met you, but true. I didn't meet you. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, but um, anyway, no, anyway, 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 <laughs> getting right into the episode again, Jigaboo uh, plunges <laughs> us. I'm sorry, it's always gonna get me. Uh, plunges us into the racial tensions that were present during the mid 50s and focusing on the emotional exploration of the characters and one that's been overlooked completely. And when I say they finally gave D her motherfucking episode, they really did. They really did. They really, and I love that it follows Hippolyta's episode. It's, it uh, really does. I'm really glad they had like the yeah that they had the back. The, the, uh huh. I love that. Um, now this is when Emmett Till is murdered, uh, D's close friend, and she's basically grieving his loss. And we have seen Bobo in several mm -hmm. episodes. Yes, you pointed that out to me actually that his nickname was Bobo, and that totally went over my head the first time I watched it. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like, again, the, watching, especially, I think this episode out of all of them, I think I remembered the least. So it was really yeah, it's, like it's, watching it for the yeah, first time. Yeah, for like the first time with like a fresh set of eyes. Completely. Definitely, yeah, totally agree. I mean, honestly, like, I, and again, I said this earlier, this was like straight out of the mind of Jordan Peele, it feels like to me. And it was like the closest feeling to horror genre. And you know, I love writing horror. <laughs> so, you know, I love, I love this particularly for the fact that it explores something that I, well, we've seen before, but um, black female rage, 
And mm -hmm. that was something really uh, beautiful to see kind of unfold through D, through uh, Letty, through uh, Ruby, you know, through, you know, it's like there was, there was so much of like the facets of that. And we get really, and just, I mean, really beautiful uh, dialogues and monologues, even um, I did not have the time to look it up, but uh, the monologue that they used um, when she says, this is for all of uh, the little black girls in America when uh, D finally snaps. Yes, when you know, D that, finally snapped. Yeah, that, that monologue that they used really was to get brilliant. To it, it was brilliant. It was fucking genius, yo. Oh, like, it was nice. genius. It was Just genius. Misha. So Misha. Misha. I'm telling you. Let's see something in the Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Misha, Every I time. Enough, I don't got enough hands to applaud for you. Like, Dude, I need help. To help us. You the way you help need to be to, to, Misha Green. And praised. Praised <laughs> and pushed. You know oh, what I'm saying? Listen, I'll be bitch. I promise you I will. But anyway. I will say, and we will get into this too, but I will say that, uh, so again, going back to the Black female rangers, that was something real beautiful to see. And especially in contrast when compared to things that focus on white female rage. Uh, and you see how different, and honestly, it's so different yes. because I mean, even just looking at Christina, for example, if we want to stay in universe, looking at Christina's white woman rage, I mean, the thing she's angry about is that she's not privileged enough. And that is like, like she's, it's not enough for her. And she that. wants to be at the height of privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what she really wants. And that is where the rate, her rage comes from. Whereas all of the other characters like Dean, Ruby, Hippolyta, uh, you know, so on and so it's like they're from trauma. They're, it's from trauma and, and lived experiences and, and wanting vengeance you know, for, for wrongs. And, you know, it's, 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 it's comes from a totally different place. And I think that's what makes it just honestly a, a hundred thousand times more satisfying to watch. Because of the nuance that is never given when it comes to black female rage. Yeah. And because we've spent yes. so much time um, looking at white female rage, we've been right. looking, we have been watching it and ingesting it. I hate to tell, say, call out a movie. Call, uh, it was called Enough with J Lo in it. Another white woman. I'm sorry, white woman. No, we were talking about that movie the other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. You brought that one up, but <laughs> I was just watching Enough. You know, watching her <laughs> like you know where you know she was doing all the all the training. You know, drinking her eggs and running upstairs and shit. And I, and one of the things that I realized because she was basically um, playing a white woman, let's be honest. Um, I mean, she rage, always does. I mean, except for Monster Law, where she was apparently a Latina, quote for quote, Lat and then notice how I said that, Latina. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so allegedly. Hispanic is with Jane Fonda. Okay. Alleg allegedly. And it was weird because I don't believe they ever specified what, type of quote-unquote Latina she yeah. was but I do know that for some reason she made menudo which is a Mexican dish and she I said it was, was like a family that, and I'm like damn it is it is from Miami because as soon as <laughs> I saw the menudo come out I was like it's it's menudo yeah I was like I was like why is she making that but then again they never said what kind of so you know, we were just like putting it up in the air, but what I, but I feel like what it really comes down to, at least my point in bringing that up, is the laziness that mm -hmm. comes up whenever we're talking about um, female rage mm -hmm. in general.
Mm -hmm. um, even white female rage lacks nuance because- It really does. Know. No, but it really does. So, so for example, I watched uh, Pearl recently, uh, which I, I did enjoy it. But, uh, and by the way, Maya Goth, who plays Pearl, as she was also an ex, I don't know why, and I refuse to believe this is this woman's real voice. I mean, no disrespect to Maya Goth. You are a phenomenal actress, like honestly incredible. But Homegirl sounds like Peppa Pig like real time like and like at least when she's like talking like, like she sounds like Peppa Pig she really does like in her regular talking voice but when she's not like when she's acting you know she has like a very uh I don't know meek kind of voice I you could say anyway the reason I bring her up is because even in Pearl the reason she snapped and started murdering uh people is because basically somebody else uh, took something that she really wanted and she felt it wasn't fair that she didn't get it. And also she was um, isolated, I guess, and her husband left her in the middle of the war and things like that. So she was lonely, but ultimately, and she wanted to be a star. That's what it was. She felt she was like living on a farm and she felt she was born to be a star and destined to be a star. And she felt like she missed her shot. But even that in itself, again, it's that your your rage is coming again from a place of wanting to reach higher heights of privilege and status so what? it's like <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's just it's it's not really nuanced it's it's at not all. at all it's especially not. the reasons that they have um there was a another uh movie that came out recently a few years ago and I think it was called um, something like Mysterious Woman or something like that. And mm -hmm. it was basically about, and I feel like that actually had white female rage with a real reason. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. No, they, like there was a reason for that shit. The, the, the real talk. Like her friend got raped, dropped out of school and then killed herself. And basically she's been on a hunt to kill all these niggas since then. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Um, and... But again, they actually decided to give her a reason. And I feel like for a lot of the, the things that we see white women going through, whether it's rage or we just want to see them like be murdered. Yeah, y'all's Madonna complex is strange, but we want to see them <laughs> suffer and be murdered and all this other shit. Um, and I feel like one thing that I really like about this episode um, and I love about Misha Green in general is the fact that we have legitimate reasons for the rage that is being felt Absolutely. that no one can and that's a, deny. right yes you, that you, you cannot deny able to be like you cannot oh, deny that you cannot you cannot deny that and, and and it was and it's that same rage and it's interesting because as i finish uh as i finished publishing recently the my the second book the gospel of levi uh Levi's character, which for everyone who doesn't know, is literally a Black Jesus, actual factual. <laughs> uh, but his character is 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 rage. You know, I mean, he spends a lot of time really angry. And a part of me at first was real hesitant to do the angry Black man thing. But it wasn't even so much... I, I wanted to push beyond that because, again, the rage that he feels, I felt, was very valid. Because Levi's carrying generational trauma. He's carrying generational rage. Not only that, but his character is supposed to be the, the vengeance of God incarnate. So you're spending quite a lot of time angry uh, for, for various reasons. 
Uh, but anyway, so I, I get I, I I get why a lot of authors and media sometimes, uh, especially other black authors and and screenwriters, might want to stray away from that. I totally understand that. But I really, really, really loved watching the way Misha Green leaned into that and yes. gave us black female rage, and that I I I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And really, and really, bravo. So, um, episode eight takes us deeper into the intricacies. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. <laughs> Intricacies. I got you, Damn girl. It. <laughs> Damn it. And, I, and I'm an adult. It's okay. Uh, the intricacies of the characters, <laughs> interpersonalized. Like I'm an adult, I swear. Bruh. And the weird and strange ways that white and privilege will go to experience empathy. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because we're going to talk about that scene. <laughs> um, and even still for um, selfish ends. And as mm -hmm. we near the finale, uh, near the finale in just two episodes, the final stakes uh, start to become clearer and Christina becomes more formidable than ever before um now when I, I i we are just gonna go ahead and hop into it. when i say these notes child okay <laughs> i mean this this episode was i mean uh let's hop let's get into it Let, let's let's okay so we are officially into episode eight of lovecraft country uh and we only have two episodes at left and we you know that the episode is black as fuck when you can't <laughs> let white people say the name of that <laughs> i guess i wrote that down too anyway so of course the opening scene that they're deciding to play for this very somber scene is banana bananarama yeah 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 it was i was like is that bananarama <laughs> Okay, I feel like we both had the same moment at the same time. Cause I was just like, this, yeah, I was like, was I'm like, crazy. don't, but don't again, make me shimmy my shoulders right now. Bubba, right, like, I was like, it's so cool, cool, some, like, I, you know, I was like, y'all are was, terrible human beings. Honestly, um, awful human beings. But again, bravo once again to Misha Green for finessing that because it's like odd choice, but it really worked. Work? How that did it work? How did that work though? It worked amazingly. I, 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 I was almost upset at how well it worked. I was, I was like this. <laughs> just make you mad. <laughs> yes, it made me actually upset. Um, and we are realizing very quickly that this is Bobo's fu funeral, AKA Emmett Till. And the fact that they're playing Cruel Summer is a different kind of dark. And we are zeroed in on Dee's perspective. She mm -hmm. asked Ruby, because um, remember, everybody is standing in this crowd for this wake uh, at the heat of the summer. So everybody's dressed in black and mm -hmm. sweating and, um, and uh, balls off. And she and then Dee asks Ruby, what's that smell? And mm -hmm. Ruby just answers, it's one of the hottest days of the year. And we all realize that she's talking about Emma Till's rapidly decomposing corpse. Yeah, that when she uh, said that, I was like, "Oh man!" It was, it was, it was again different type of dark, um, and we <sighs> see people walking out of the wake and throwing up because they are seeing the state of his body. We see D is zeroed in on the fact that her friend is just no longer with her. Mm -hmm. um, now we are over here, and we see that we see that um, D um, is in a is like in this ridiculously fucked up state and letty says i feel like she's based she's seen enough death um and we need to tell her what's going on because d and tick are talking 
and we're looking at, sorry, not D and Tick, Letty and Tick are talking and they're talking about D, Hippolyte is gone. We got to tell her something. And we're like, mm -hmm. don't you think she's seen enough death? And he's like, so, but how long are we going to keep this to, up? To like keep this up though, right, exactly. Been, like, okay, I mean, maybe not like today, but she's at the age where she knows she's not dumb. He's not you a dumb girl. Like, like She's awake, she's conscious, she knows that somebody is lying to her. Exactly. Um, and Letty says, um, if you, uh, and Letty says, you said that you saw a flash of light from Hiram, from Hiram's machine, and then Hippolyta disappeared. What makes you think she's coming back? How long do you want to wait? And suddenly we turn around and realize that D is missing. And we all know this is one of the worst days possible, that she could be roaming the streets on her own, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, so now we're following D as she is. I feel like this is just trauma and this is just PTSD <laughs> as she's kind of walking through. And she turns around and um, she's looking in a store window of ice cream shops and then she hears distant giggling. And these mm. two pretty black girls with, uh, with ice cream who are just smiling and laughing. And she picks up rocks from the ground and she hurls them at the two girls and she is filled with so much anger and anguish and she says there ain't nothing to laugh about and then when they run off d does give out this somewhat of a deranged laugh yeah. <laughs> baby so you're not you're not okay but, but see again in the part the uh, this the horror writer in me i that moment she did that i loved it i was like oh she's she's gonna let it out like it's just like she's going to let this out and and i and i loved because she has every reason to she has every right to 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 feel the way she does and i think it's interesting <clears throat> that you know it's kind of again with the violence that is in, you know uh uh, inflicted on us on, on on the regular it really shows almost like that split between those of us that it's like it just becomes so much that it's almost just another thing and mm -hmm. they go about their lives like those girls getting the ice cream and then there's the ones that either know the person or are really still deeply hurt and affected by that by those things it's kind of like in the beginning of um parable of the sower where she talks about how she feels things so deeply yeah and you know what i'm saying and she can't even it's like it's being done to her when she sees it and there are people like that and i mean so i i just thought that that was an interesting scene um and i loved again seeing that d was gonna go is clearly gonna go down this route of of anger of rage and i mean that is one of the stages of grief too rage anger you know, and it's like, uh, like absolutely. And I feel like we, whenever we think about the grieving process, I feel like we always skip over anger. Anger. Um, we yeah. always look at the the sadness and the grief and the anguish, and we always skip over the rage. So I mm -hmm. thought that was almost kind of paying homage to mm -hmm. uh, a black woman's rage, which I was very, I was very I was happy about. I really was. Which we see articulated a little bit more in Ruby later on uh, when she's talking to I wrote Christina. that whole thing out. Girl. Listen, <laughs> I, 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 I knew you did. I knew you did. I just knew I, you listen, did. Say, you, listen, my little sister Avia was like, how many times are you going to rewind that until I get it right? I was so, just fucking get uh, it right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where we are. Okay. Mm. Now, um, Dee continues to walk and we see a police car that rolls up behind her. <sighs> and that same crazy white man with no lips and a black man's chest comes out of the car, okay? 
Listen, oh, that's right. That is him. I forgot how creepy that was. Listen, I never forgot that scene. When he took that <laughs> shirt off and I saw that shit. <laughs> that was creepy. I was like, Ugh. You probably just blocked it out. But I <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I he I forgot that that was the same cop, is what I'm saying. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and then when he he basically comes up, right? Um, and remember, this is the same black man who was collecting black folks for Hiram so that mm -hmm. he could continue to mm -hmm. get his mm -hmm. body upgraded, which mm -hmm. let's just talk about that for a second. <laughs> let's let's go back to that. Yes, let's, let's go ahead. Let's talk about that for just a second and the use of black people's body parts mm. throughout um, the show and how it mirrors a lot of the things that are going on in real life today. Um, I cannot tell you how much black fishing we see. Did you hear about sticky banks? What was that? Did you hear about sticky bangs? Uh no. What's going on? What's what's going on with that? You know how we got edges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. White girls got sticky bangs. And they're putting out tutorials and making other people pay for it. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and <laughs> look, it's just okay. And we have women who are doing the absolute most to look like me. Taking off people's body, and then I also uh, this scene brought me back to Get Out with um, where jo yeah, Jordan, yeah, directed. yeah, yeah, it was very good. hundred percent, like Which that was definitely a commentary on that. Yeah, absolutely. Bruh, a, I can't wait till we do that movie. But oh, I cannot wait till we do that. Over absolutely. the dinner table, where the white guy was talking to him about how you are, like your body is so athletic, and I'm just like, mm -hmm. go pick him like that. It's a, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he even, and, and even get, he gets into that later where he says, uh, you know, it's cool now, you know, like it's you know, like these bodies are perfect now. Like that's listen, and, and but you want to know body something, and diet white, that's absolutely, all absolutely. But then it also, I feel like, was even touching on the unsafe black people, the mm -hmm. ones who very much are black on the outside, but on the inside are for the white man. And I feel like that was another thing that I feel Jordan Peele was kind of touching on that no one's, I, I just, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody talk about that just yet, but uh, anyway, can't wait to, can't wait to we, get we, out. We, but I, but it led a hundred percent like led me there once this, because we are, con we, and, and I'm going to get back into it, but we constantly are seeing white folks take pieces of us. Mm -hmm. I remember before the BBL craze, I got off mm -hmm. a plane mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. white woman literally came up to me and poked me in my hip and mm -hmm. asked if it was real. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's that's really what it is. That's why I was, I mean, I, I had been talking about you and uh, uh, talking with you the other day uh, and a while back too. But anyway, what I'm getting at is I never got, I never got called white until I got on TikTok. And I was like, what and at first i was like why would but then i realized what it was and it's what you're saying oh. now no what it is is you're used to white people looking like us and having either mixed mixed or ambiguous looking features full lips and things like that and you're now starting to think that that's what white looks like and no that is not what white looks like you know what i'm right. saying it's just like if i show you pull up my middle school yearbook and you start seeing all the white girls in those pictures it's just like you're gonna see what white girls look like so you know what I'm saying? Like in real time. In and real way, time, right? Y'all used to have some good shit. Stop stealing ours. 
You remember when you used to put your hand in the face and be like, oh, uh, talk to the hand, talk to the hand, or talk to my elbow. You're not worth the extension. I remember. Yes, the white girls was doing it. Yeah, it really did stop though. Listen, they, and, they, and instead of coming up with their own shit, which by the way, as if, that was oh, That was another one. Listen. Whatever, made, whatever, well, what, what is it? Yeah. Uh, oh my God, there were so many of those like little like shits that there they would. so much stuff. Watch Sweet Valley High one time. I know I'm <laughs> old, but watch Sweet Valley High. What's, what's one the other one? Um, oh my God. Uh, ah. God, there was there was the babysitters. There was there was there was, oh, there was all was kinds a, of shows. White girls where they had like their own thing. Clueless, clueless, clueless. That's yeah. what I was oh, clueless. That's what it was. Ah, Stacy. As if. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, we lost one. We lost one in clueless. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I, but I didn't know she was like that in real life. You know, not, what all, I'm not all skin folk are kin folk, and that goes back to what I was saying about real uh, get out. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was about that, it was about the Stacys. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was, Listen, it was. I, I, and I'm sorry, Stacy girl, I don't know why you would go ahead and talk about I don't know why there's a BET awards when it was the only one giving you money. That was stupid, <laughs> that was dumb. I don't know why you did that, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, so, um. Now, obviously, like I said, um, guy who keeps on stealing black people body parts. Okay, he walks up with one of his other police corners inside of a police car, and um, they and he's actually holding up a piece of Dee's comic, the one she made for her mother, Arinthia Blue, and now they have her cornered in this fucking seedy ass um, brick hallway, <laughs> and they're basically saying that where is your mother? And she says she's on a trip for her job. And they say, what's her mother's name? And she says, Hippolyta. And they're like, oh, these niggers and their African names. And I'm just like, read a book, bitch. Uh, that's why I, I'm glad when she checks in later on, she's like, it's Greek, asshole. Like, Bro, I feel like, I, I feel like, you know what? You, uh, you know what, Misha Green? I was very confused when I had that scene, but for you just to be able to tell those white people that that shit was Greek, I really, I really appreciate you for that. She I, ate, I, even she if ate, she ate that shit up. Like, I'm telling you, <laughs> Mad. Really I'm not did. mad about a single thing in this episode. No, at, at all, at all. This is a near perfect show. Like, I don't yeah. know, like this, the show's near perfect. And, and, and I really <sighs> love the, like, and I feel like we're always going to be saying this, but the nuance, the writing, the monologues, Everything. it's just been fucking amazing. And like, this is going to Incredible. be a masterclass. Like, just like Jordan Peele has his own class, like there's going to be a class on Misha Green. I'm sorry. There needs if Misha Green comes out with a master class. Oh, bitch! I'm taking it. I don't care how. I am. I am taking credit that card. Shit. I'm like, like I finally I got my, my credit card. Put it up. You ever see that TikTok? <laughs> and he's like, oh my bum, and he's like hitting his card. Bop, 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 bop. Swipe. What do you want? I would. I listen. Make a routing. I got you right now. Like, <laughs> seriously. And then while they're and by the way, while they're asking Dee all of this, she's stumbling all over the, her words. She is completely frightened to death. And you see this crony take a piece of chalk and start to draw like a really shitty star on it, right? He's and so then, true, yeah. she, then she's saying that Hippolyta didn't give her any destination as to where she was going. And then they asked if her mother's been acting strange lately. Well, no shit. Uh, and then he asked Dee, what does she know about magic? And she responds like, in fantasy books? <laughs> like, and he begins to laugh maniacally 
and I'm going not going to lie. I looked away when he. <sighs> let me tell. Okay, I okay. Let me tell you something. Was that spit or nut? Because I, like it was like oddly like webby sick. and like, like he had a thick. cold, like, like he had a cold or something. Yeah, and just slimy. I was uh, like, ew. I was like, what the fuck? And, and I'm just going to be for real, for real. <laughs> like, I can I cannot believe that Mister I got a whole nigga chest, talks and spits in his hand, and. It's on her forehead. It's no, that, forehead. I'm sorry. Like that was, I remember one time I, my mom had told me that I think this chick got into altercation with a deranged white woman. She spit at her. And my mom was like, first of all, not only was it fucking disgusting that this bitch spit at me. And of course, you know, it was on site, but you know, she was like, secondly, and most importantly, she was like, you know how I feel about white spit. And I was like, <laughs> And I understood. And when I saw that scene, I that's like, all I I was like, that that's what she's talking about. That's what she's talking about right there. It's that. I, I didn't it's have that. an idea before. I a hundred percent know now. It's and that while yeah. he starts saying all this language of Adam and she's screaming for help and she starts to see worms start to come out of the concrete where the where his crony had like drawn the star and shit. And oh my God. So she basically wipes off her head in horror because they just leave. They do that shit to her and just walk back in the car like like nothing. And and fill her with like beads or something like it was Candyman. Like leave your money on the nightstand. Take me to dinner. Like do do, do something. Like that was I cannot tell you, and I'm not even gonna lie. I feel like this was one of the scenes out of the whole show where I felt like the most violent, which mm. is crazy. Mm. But, the act of it was so gross. Yeah, like, and I know, and I, and I know what assault. you mean because, yeah, because I know what you mean because, like, I mean, we've seen violence, outright violent, like really, really violent uh, things on the show, but there was just something like intricately violating about yes. that spit. Yes, it it was it was something that I, like I didn't even understand where the rage in me was coming from because I had seen all of these other scenes where it uh, was- No, so yeah, honestly, same. I mean, the moment where she tried to get away and they tripped her. And I mean, I just, my heart dropped. I was like, no, D, no, like- You know what it is? I think it's because that is something that we know happens. Yes, and I think, I think that's- Today. So, you know, it's really interesting because again, with what so there's a difference between uh horror and terror mm. right and horror is what you feel no is a is a terror i think i have it backwards is i think it's terror yeah terror is what you feel in the moment of watching so mm. when you're when you're when you're watching that moment and that scene unfold it's just like you are you are terrified but horror is uh uh damn what the fuck was it? i fucking lost it I, I know, you know what i feel like i feel like i know what you're thing, saying though because i feel like horror is something that stays with you outside of that moment yeah like it was something that oh that's what like, i was that's what i was gonna say horror is what you get knowing that the that this is that this is not going to be good yes and that's horrifying and so uh somebody gave an example have you ever seen the movie the lovely bones 
No, no, I haven't. I have heard and, re and read extensively about it. <laughs> Honestly, it's so really beautiful. It's a really well done movie. But in the very beginning of the movie, she's na the narrator, which is the girl who dies. I mean, I mean, that's from the very beginning of the movie. That's not even a spoiler. But she narrates the movie and she says, I was, it was July something the day I was murdered. So when you see the scene when she's with the man who ultimately rapes and murders her and you see her try to escape, you feel horror because you know she's not going no. to make it and you're just watching it happen. And that's true horror. And that's kind of what's what it is with D in that scene. It's like you, the moment the cop pulled up was dread. It was horror because you knew she was not going to make it out of this situation. And it was not going to be good for her. Yes. And you knew that. And, and like, and you it know, was the that. same thing. And it was yeah. the same thing. It was the same thing. It was the same thing. Because the terror was what was happening in the moment. But the horror was like the before, the middle, the after. It's mm -hmm. all horrifying. It's all, like, of, it's all horrifying. It's horrifying. Right. That right. Now, she obviously wipes off her head in horror and obviously the deepest anger and fear possible. And she runs away. And um, then we switch to Letty who was looking um, all over for Dee back at the Winthrop house. She turns the corner and who does she see sitting in her living room completely barefoot is my homegirl Gia with the nine tail pussy, right? <laughs> the nine tail pussy. Listen, listen, we gonna, we go, and just so you know, I didn't realize that I was a Gia stan, but I am a she got, Gia. She got that Fakusi, Fakusi. She got that Fakusi. That Fakusi, Fakusi, I can't even say that, that Fakusi. That Fakusi. She got that Fakusi, yes. She got that Fakusi. So fucking terrible. So, so Gia says that she's looking for Atticus, and now we got Atticus walking around in his suit, walking fast just to meet Spider-Bat bitch, okay? <laughs> right? And Isn't she, you know who she reminds me of? The other mother from Coraline. Have you ever seen Coraline? I have. Oh shit! She reminds me of the other mother if she was blonde. Like she's so like spin. She's like spindly and like long fingers, like long skinny yes. fingers. Like I, like she's all like I feel like she they they picked the perfect stature. Yeah, no, the stat and she's tall as fuck. Like the scene where she's facing Letty, I was like, is she standing on a step or something? Because she's like a whole foot tall. Either that or or or, or, or is a journey smaller or Jesse Smaller? Yeah, journey smaller. Journey. journey, right? Journey smaller. It's either that or journey smaller. It's really short. Like, I don't even see happening. I, I mean, don't. She seems like a good maybe like five, six, five, five seven, seven, five seven to me. Yeah, at least. And then, like, I'm sorry, whoever plays Christina, that's five foot eleven. That, that's what I'm saying. She's that, like that, five that, eleven. That's a five, like, that, that's a, that is a woman that is shy of six feet. That I is. Mean, a, like, yes. I'm sorry. She um, reminds me of one of those like standing what do you call, right like, next to Atticus, and you saw that she was kind of looking down at him, and I'm like. She reminds me of those like really tall, like those like Swiss girls, you know, like, you know, like it's with like the ponytails and shit. Like, no. you know what I'm saying? You, like, know what I, you know what I thought of? I thought of Floor from Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's honestly how I thought of her when I first saw her. Now, yeah, not you bad. have Atticus, who obviously they're meeting in a mausoleum. And she based, and I think that I was just really upset during the scene. Like, why are you asking her to teach you shit? 
She mm. is the enemy. This She's doesn't make enemy. any sense. And um, Christ- and basically, um, she and she is and he's asking her to teach him how to cast a spell. And Christina says, "You had my card all this time. Why are you using it now?" Um, and he's saying it's his birthright. And oh Christina, my God! Bro, when she so- laughs and she says, "You don't have enough whiteness in you to be so uh, arrogant," or something like that, she, I was like, "Listen, that, that's that's certainly what it felt like." Christina obviously isn't being fooled by that, and she realizes just by looking at him that he was able to take Titus that he was able to t- take Titus's pages because she knows that you just didn't decide to pick up my card one day. No, mm-hmm. you got another piece to the puzzle. She listen, Spider Bag bitch is not done (laughs) she is not done she's not done and um then she real and then um afterwards uh and then she was just surprised that he got back without killing himself and he says listen i would give you uh i I would give you the orrery but what i know what i do know is what you're looking for for is this do y'all remember the key the Mm -hmm. key from the orrery Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying, I'm not going to give you the Ori, but I can't, but I know that you don't even want the Ori. What you want is this fucking key. And you could tell by her uh, reaction that Atticus is definitely on the money. Mm-hmm. And she then says mm-hmm. that an incantation isn't a spell, uh, an incantation isn't just a spell, and that Atticus would need much more than that. She said, to cast, you need energy, intention, intention and body. And she draws a protection spell on one of the graves for Atticus to memorize. And she tells him to draw that whenever he casts the spell for protection. And then Atticus gives Christina the orrery key and and says, thanks cousin. And all I can think to myself is, what kind of power did he just give Christina? And that's, that's, that's the shit about it because obviously Christina had, Christina has the upper hand in all of this because although they have the pieces, right? they don't have the expansive occult knowledge that Christina does. So Christina, that's what puts her ahead of them because Christina's like, okay, y'all are focused on this, but what I really need is this. And it seems like you're really willing to give me that. So what, and listen, when I- And you don't even know what this is, you know? She is playing it very well. Oh, and I feel like they're eating out of her hand at this point. Out Everything of her palm that of her hand. Her, that, they, that Christina has wanted them to do, they've basically been doing as far as I am concerned. Now, before she gets a, a chance to leave, Atticus then says, um, what's the autumnal uh, equinox? Like what's the, what's uh, supposed to be happening on that It's my birthday, actually. Aw. <laughs> it is my birthday. It's on, it is, it's on autumn uh, equinox. Mm-hmm. Hey, then we need to go ahead and have our friends giving on that day. Shit. Okay. So before she, uh, so Spiderback then says, I'm going to achieve. (laughs) It kills me every time. (laughs) So she, she says, I'm going to achieve what no one in the order has ever achieved before. Not even all of the, uh, the, all the, all powerful Braithwaite could even, could even do, which is immortality. Mm -hmm. Now let's flip back to D who's finally making it back home and running into Montrose. In true black parent fashion, we don't care that you're safe. I can't believe you were where I said you were supposed to be. So now we yelling. Cause you know, that, that, like, we, we, can't, we can't actually be like, oh my God, I can't believe you're safe. No, we-, we I gotta- was so worried. No, it was no. why worse since you were. <laughs> where the fuck were you? Basically, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Um, 
And then of course, like there's just so much going on in, in D at this moment that she is, ba she basically says, uh, comes back with, you ain't my pops, my pops is dead. And I'm kind of glad that we're showing a little bit of teen angst. Um, Cause that actually- I'm here for it. Black people, we don't <laughs> mm -hmm. ever do that. We don't That's ever true. actually know it. That's ever. actually very true. We, we like we like, it's usually we don't show angst it's either the child's off the rails and she's doing drugs and in a gang now or yeah, let, let's be real like we there's never Why is that's so true there's, no, there's like, no, never a middle ground it's not just healthy teen angst it's no, just ever, she needs never. to be on maury or like, <laughs> there's it's always one or the i'm 13 and i've had seven babies like, it's, it's, it's either one or the like you know what i mean it's either one or the other I, I don't know why you said uh, more or more. You know, I got to go watch an episode. Okay. So Listen, now. Um, more raised now, me. Montrose is telling Dee through the bathroom door because she locks herself in it. Then he knows exactly what she's going through right now. He tries to tell her that in the, uh, the Tulsa massacre, when he, her mother and father escaped, Dee know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, when he, uh, and she, he's basically talking. And Dee notices a copy of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle and Tom's Cabin. The radio. Mm -hmm. um, it's what number of Uncle Tom's Cabin is this? Why do we have it? Why won't you make it go away? That was the worst shit I think I've ever seen in my life. That cover? That cover. cover. What? It was Why? so it was so creepy and I thought that that was I thought that was an interesting choice of a book to fall out of uh, it was Uncle Tom's Cabin and the just we see that later on with the two, with with the two girls, which we're about to get into really soon. But uh, it definitely with I think just goes with the I think it just I I think it just goes with the uh, the the title of the episode Jigaboo, mm. and mm. the fact that Uncle Tom's cabin fell out, and it shows a depiction of exactly what uh, that word would have meant at that time, and the depiction of you know of the black person at that time on that cover. I think that's why that, that that cover had fallen out. But I think it was interesting that those the the the, the two girls that start stalking D are are images of that same terrifying image of that version of Uncle Tom's cabin. But I think two things here I think are really interesting, and one of them is that we have to remember that it was that white magician who cast that curse on, or put that curse on her. Right. So the fact that he chose that image to stalk her, I think is says I think is really telling. And then two, it goes to show how now that image, right, haunts us, right? Or it seems to stalk you or follow you, chasing which goes us. into the is chasing us, which I think goes into the third thing that it's almost that struggle of do I lean into this, which would be that rage, right? And be exactly what they see me as, or do I keep running from it and trying to fight it? Listen, and I and I and I really love the fact, and 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 I feel like I really love the fact that <clears throat> while she's having this moment looking at this book, we're hearing Montrose mm -hmm. talk about the Tulsa massacre. Talk about talk about the Tulsa massacre, which we get uh, well, to like see the fact in that the, like, I think the next the, episode. I feel like that was so perfect. Mm -hmm. And and don't we know it? He says it, he, I think he even said it doesn't matter what you do or how well you do it, what they're always gonna try and take it from us. <laughs> they're always gonna try and take it from us, but that don't mean you gotta give it to him. They gotta Bro, give it to him. Easy. And it doesn't mean that we gotta <laughs> give it to him. And don't we know it? Rosewood, Lake Okeechobee, mm -hmm. fucking Central Park. Central Park. 
Like, Lake, Lake Lanier here in Georgia. <laughs> we know that whenever we try to get something, have something, build something, that they will drop bombs on us. And of course, Uncle Tom's Cabin's cover it just But flies. not only that too, I think again, the fact that Misha Green, again, is writing this, I think that monologue there is not even just about those things, which are, I, it is also about those things, but I think it's also about how Black creatives are constantly robbed and our ideas are stolen, you Ooh. know? So I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I didn't did. Think about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They will and always I, take it from us. Holy they will shit. take I, it from us. Wow. Yes, it's on mm -hmm. every level. It's on it's every so level. It's on so many levels. It was. It was such a. What would you say? It was such a. A a, a layered a, a lover. It was such a layered statement. Yes. You yes. know, it was such a it layered so thing. Yeah, it was so layered and so intricate. For two sentences. Uh, three for two sentences. <laughs> and that, I think that's just a testament to the brilliance of the writing. Yes. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And these are one of the things that, again, I say, you can tell there were Black people making the show. A hundred percent. Black people were not just in the room. They were not just in the room, the right? They were not just in the room. <laughs> we were just, right. we were just in the room because we're always like, "Listen, where's your Negro friends?" <laughs> right. told you not to do this. Um, but at the same time, you could see that this, and I love the fact that you could see in the writing, you could see it in the writing that there were not just black people in the room, but they were mm -hmm. at the helm. Mm -hmm. um, now we switch back to, and this what I think was a very, very interesting, interesting scene. Um, Ruby walks dazed. Uh, like and she's walking towards William's re residence, aka Spider Bag bitch. She. Um... I'm gonna just start calling her Spider Bag from now on, <laughs> until the rest of this. And I want you to correct me anytime I say Christina to Spider Bag because that's. <laughs> that's Listen, and this scene actually made me really angry. She drops her keys as a random <laughs> white man says, "Hey, are you the maid?" And she mm. turns around and she says, "I'm not the damn maid." And of, and of course, this white man and all his caucasity was like, what did you say? And she repeats herself, no, I'm not the damn me. He walks across the street with so much fucking purpose. Um, like he is about to go ahead and yoke this bitch because and you know, remember <clears throat> in history, Ruby is a woman that is owned even without a title. And we don't you know, need to have slavery in order for It's Ruby true though. And I, that's actually exactly what I was gonna say. I was like, it's also really interesting to think that in this point in time, even though, yes, slavery has been abolished, you know, we've moved into, uh, quote unquote, uh, freedom, uh, you know, but, so but what civil I, rights, right, but right, right, you know, but uh, what I'm really getting at here, it's really interesting to think that you're living at a time here where a random white person can come in and discipline you or correct you, or just slap the fuck out of you. And you're just you can't, you just take it. There's nothing you can do about it. You, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to come from a tree. Right. You will become strange fruit. Right, right. Very, 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 very quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and we see William, uh, literally the white knight in shining armor pulls up in his little blue Chevy. And um, William comes up and asks if <laughs> this there's- This is where I think Lana wrote this scene, but continue. Mm -hmm. uh, William comes- <laughs> She loves Lana Del Rey loves her Chevys, but really <laughs> William William comes up and asks if there's a problem. I love the fact that he never took his eyes off of her. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. the other white man was responding, but he never took his eyes off Ruby. Like he was of Ruby. To Ruby. And he says, not if you know her. And he confirms that he does. And during this, uh, and I, I love the fact that he never took his eyes off of her. And the white man says that, well, there's been a huge mess on the other side of town that's got everybody up in arms, AKA your white devils killed Emmett Till, but okay. Literal, right, um, that's the huge That's the huge mess. Bro, the, the, the huge mess. Uh, the huge mess. And um, he says he was just making sure that none of that was running into their side of the neighborhood. And I just got a flash of Ahmaud Arbery. Mm. I just got a flash of Ahmaud Arbery uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that this is something that is just 100% still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ruby is clearly shaken. And again, just a shout out to this amazing actress for portraying so beautiful. Oh God, she is. The, the secondhand grief, the, that's not even secondhand is something that she did so amazingly well. Because yes, this wasn't a person that she personally knew, but it was a person in her community died and she knows it could have been. She could pull, she could, it's, it was a, it's, the the words are not real, but the emotions behind them that she is pulling on are. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then, that's why, you know, for a while, I is that's why for a while, when I first heard of method acting, I was like, okay, so they get really into the role. Like, I don't understand how like Heath Ledger, for example, could go crazy. But then I think about how even other actors just who are not necessarily method actors, they'll talk about how roles, they would need months or a year after, you know, performing a role. And I, and I would always be like, why? But like, but why you're like acting? But then I realized, yeah, they, the again, the words are, but they're pulling and drawing from very real emotions when they do these things. Uh-huh. And- I just want to say something about method acting. Um, as a person who has been gone to school and been trained and will continue to do so um, in acting, um, method acting is dangerous. Yeah. Method acting is dangerous. And I don't think that people understand because when you see Daniel Day-Lewis can't go home to his wife for two years while he's filming a movie because of the person that he becomes, uh, I, and I really do feel that we could still bring out amazing acting without taking it home with us because it's, it goes beyond method acting goes beyond drawing from personal experiences. Absolutely. You're looking in the mirror, you're looking at another person. No, absolutely. Because the the, the shit about when it gets to that, I, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know how a lot for uh, an example, you know how uh, everyone's favorite home wrecker, Angelina Jolie, when she was filming Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt, uh, you know, she, <laughs> everyone's favorite brother kissing home wrecker because I feel like everybody forgot the fact that she kissed her brother uh I anyway uh, okay thank you everyone's favorite <laughs> brother kissing home wrecker Angela Jolie which was from Mr. Mr. Smith you know you're playing and she's just an example of it but there's so many examples of this just within Hollywood but you know the ones who are pre- playing um husband and wife and things like that and you have to do sex scenes and kissing and all I can think to myself is how well, well for how long can you pretend kiss someone and pretend have sex with someone before it starts to become not pretend anymore and what I, I use that example to talk about method acting because it's kind of like how long do you think you can get away with pretending in you're immersed until the brain is a very delicate but intricate thing and at some point your mind is just really going to start to accept this as being real and as being reality and as this is who you are 
And that is what makes method acting so incredibly dangerous. You know, the fact that Heath Ledger had uh, the entire cast was afraid of him when, uh, you know, even when he was acting because he was just not acting anymore, you know, and that's, I think that's scary. Causes actors to act irresponsibly. Like absolutely. Django, when Leonardo DiCaprio he cut his hand ahead and cut his hand and mm-hmm. wiped his very real blood all over Kerry Washington, all over Kerry Washington's face. Let me tell you something. And this is Tarantino's known, and I'm sure this is also why that flew on set because Tarantino's known for constantly pushing the envelope and everything he does with all his actors. Especially but with the actresses. I don't, I feel like Carrie, Wa- I feel like that was very, I don't, I don't know if Carrie Washington's ever spoken out or said anything about that, but I could only imagine how, again, going to the, it's reminding me of the spit. It's just like, you oh. just wiped oh. your blood on me. Like, it's like, and just on my face, Base. like it's like that like what the fuck uh, yo i would have broken character so fast i would have jumped out what the fuck what the? like i would have lost my shit that would like i would have that i would have lost it i've been like wow i'm gonna say cut right now yeah no <laughs> cut, cut. <laughs> like honestly though yeah and i and i just wanted to make sure that we did have a, that conversation because for a lot of um aspiring actors there are so many black queer um, uh, content creators and people who are going to be listening to this, uh, black queer artists that are going to be listening to this. I'm not saying not to learn your craft to the best of your ability, but if somebody is teaching you to literally get lost in it, mm-hmm. uh, do, you, uh, do you have a therapy on speed dial? Like that's not that's not actually. You know what's a really good example of that? Which I mean, we're not in it at all. But Black Swan, which is one of my favorite movies, uh, is all about that. It's mm. about it's. Have you seen Black Swan? I have. It's I about have. it's. I have. It's a what a wide, but it is one of my favorite films. But it is about that. It's what happens when you are so lost and consumed in the role. How that it destroys your life, and yeah. how dangerous it can be. The that whole movie is literally about that. Listen, and um, it took a fucking ballerina movie to talk about it. Which <laughs> is crazy because, crazy. and I also feel like we're also urged so much as artists to get lost in our craft. Sure. And I feel like we don't um, really try to dissect what that means until it's too late because boundaries are needed in everything. That's oh, all. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, even as a, as a writer, you know, I. I honestly kind of blank out when I'm on the key. When my mom, my fingers hit the keyboard, I just kind of blank out. But when I go back and I read the things I write, I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is some, this is pretty dark, uh, you know. But uh, the point I'm making is, I think even with actors and musicians and all these other kinds of things, I think that uh, really because art can be dangerous, your own art can destroy you. Uh, but I, because I think it's the purpose of art is to turn this pain and these things into something beautiful, but is to release, right. Is to let go. You know, it's not, it's a way of releasing these things. It's supposed to be cathartic, you know, but to hold on to them and to wallow in them and to constantly be in this state is not good. I mean, it's kind of, you know, and it's, and and I know we're deviating here, but I mean, we told y'all we was going to give you an episode. So I mean, (laughs) you know, people really romanticize, for example, the 
um, tortured artist um, trope, you know, and it's very, very highly romanticized. And, you know, for example, people like, uh, who, what, what was uh, Vincent Van Gogh? Oh, he was just such a tragic figure. And, oh, you know, so many people didn't understand him. And, you know, it's just like Vincent Van Gogh was deranged. Can you imagine being his, I think his girlfriend or who, whatever, whoever he was fucking, he was, and she left him. Can you imagine being the woman that got his severed ear in an envelope? Like that is disturbing or Salvador Dali. It's just like, oh, he was so, it's just like Salvador Dali was sadistic and people avoided him because he was weird. Like not, <laughs> not unique, like I'm in danger, weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I feel like people just romanticize this tortured artist kind of thing. And it's just like, when you actually really, and and no one, I mean, you went to art school. I went to art school for a time. You you know these people in real life, and these people are fucking nuts. Wow. It's like, yeah, they're creating beautiful things, sure, but it's just like, but them as people, there's nothing romantic about it. Honestly, um, and I really do love um, this this particular scene, and I don't know the uh, the method of acting. Um, for the actress who plays uh, uh, Ruby. I have her name, but I'm gonna fuck it up and I don't wanna do that. Um, and I feel like she uh, she is so good. I don't know what her method is, but she is so good. Uh, it's working. It's whatever <laughs> it's, her method is, it's working great. Is working. Now, um, well, now, William, now, as we uh, said before, Ruby is walking up to uh, William's house. William has just rescued her from basically being lynched because, you know, if William wasn't there, Ruby would no longer be with us. Right. Be right. Um, and William tries to kind of comfort her. And she says, it, on all she says is he looked like a monster. Mm -hmm. And we all know she's talking about Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. And the and the way that his body looked, and his way his and body Emmett looked, and Emmett Till's mother requested an open casket so the whole world could see what they did to her baby boy. Um, I cannot imagine the losing a child is already just a pain that's just unbearable, but to receive back the body of your child and see and what no they and know what they did to him, I think is a, again, a horror that is just unimaginably, unimaginably painful. Uh, I don't, honestly, I don't know how that woman ever slept again. Uh, the, you know, the, the strength it, um, of Mamie, uh, his mother. Mamie, um, that was her name, Mamie. Mm -hmm. I, the, the strength of, of that woman, um, I wish we didn't have to be so damn strong. Um, and in this scene, I I loved the fact. Now we're listening to a very beautiful rendition of "I Put a Spell on You." Oh, and I loved. Well, who, I don't know who sang it, but I'm gonna have to look it up later because I yeah, no, for it. real, because that's going on my Spotify. It's going on the Spotify. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, uh, it it just is. And um, we watch William undress Ruby, take out her earrings unhook her halter, unroll her stockings. Like even the smallest task was something that she was not going to do today. Mm -hmm. Not today. Mm -hmm. And she's in the bath and she is being washed by him and he goes in to kiss her and you could see all of this passion that he has for her in this moment, but she pulls away because in this moment, the last thing she could really do is lay in bed with this man as a black woman. On today of all, day, all days, she could not be the bed wench. Mm -hmm. 
Now, as they're having sex and between you and me, I would much rather see Ruby fucking honestly, but it's okay. Uh, she takes the potion and she turns to a white woman so she can actually fuck William, right? And as she climaxes, she is the you see that she's turning back and you feel mm-hmm. it's almost this symbolic yes, of her breaking yes. apart. Yes, of, yes, yes, and I, yes. And I thought yes. almost like of how many times black people in interracial relationships have to break themselves down mm-hmm. and erase themselves in order to be in the relationships that sometimes they are in. And they kind of have to put things to the side and put blinders on and ignore. And I was just like, wow, this is just, that was, uh, this was unbelievably gross. So gross. The scene, and again, hats off to the fucking CGI department because I mean, the visual effects department, I mean, they really, I mean, this scene was, it was, God, it was so gross, but it was beautiful at the same time. Like, it, it was, like, it was just, I'm like, what is going on right now? Yeah, I'm I, like, like, I didn't even know how I was feeling. And I just, right. this, it is, so, and then she's riding him and she's like literally falling apart. Like all of her mm-hmm, flesh, mm-hmm. like her nipple comes off and it's just like sitting on his chest and shit. Like the shit was terrible. And, and the last scene <laughs> is seeing half of Ruby's face and the other half of Heather Davenport's. And I feel like more than anything, Ruby could not climax on this white man's dick as a black woman. Mm. Um, and that was really what it was. Ah, and and it, was, it was such a beautiful scene. Like it was so well done and so well beautiful. acted. In, in, like, insanity. And Misha Green also directed this episode. Um, ah. And it showed. I mean, because I mean, this was outstanding. It was I, outstanding. She's what? What a power! She's like, like, are you even human, bitch? Anyway, um, and so now we switch over. It's time for Atticus to come home to the Winthrop house, and we see shoes outside the door, and he's like, "Oh shit." Um, I know who it is that's in here. And he walks in to see Letty and Gia sitting at the same table looking at him like, bitch, I hope you come home to fix this. Why did that look like when you walk in and the wife and the side bitch are in the same room and you got caught? Bruh, I was just like, teen, this is terrible. I'm like, ugh. It was was so bad. And I was just like, I I was almost glad they cut to another scene because I'm like, I don't even want to see what happens there. So we, we we flipped to D who was walking down the street and at a time, I, and just so I, I forgot to mention some of the music that was playing where, while she was doing, and it was just like, um, uh, let me in, let me in. And like, it was it, like- it Let was, me in, let me in. Yeah, that was, so again, that, that again, knocking, I thought- knocking, 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 let me in, let me, I was just like, oh my God, go away. I loved it. I was eating it up with a fucking biscuit. Like I was <laughs> eating it with a biscuit. Like I was not eating not that shit. I was lathering it, like lathering my biscuit with that scene. Like it was just like all over. But like, I thought again, that was interesting because it goes back to the rage thing and the uh, just being this thing, right? And it's let me in, let me in, let me in. Because of what D is feeling, it's like, 
it's almost like be let yourself become this let yourself you know what in this moment channel this anger become let become this monster you know what i'm saying because you know you know what i'm saying like and i think yes. that's i feel like that's why they were choosing the let me in let me in yeah everything was very knocking knocking knock let me knock in, knocking knock and knock and let me in let me in and she's fighting it she's running from it she's trying to escape the urge the 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 emotions the monster that she feels rising inside of her catching up to her because of what she feels and that is this is one of the reasons why I love horror because people really think it's to scare you horror is is beyond that it's talking about things that are so deep and primal that are used yes they use terrifying images because these things scare us there's a reason why the, the the imagery is not pretty. You know and, what I mean? And the fact that they're using, um, because at, in the scene where we're seeing D, um, you being basically being chased, she's like, she's waiting on the train and you mm -hmm. see she's looking back and forth and she is seeing and feeling some of the creepiest shit. And out of the stairwell, comes <laughs> I get hey, let me tell you something kudos to those little girls too because I don't know if they're like acrobats or something but like I mean contortionist or something but like they're like really they were really good I I I was it's not all okay. their movements were just so unnerving very like, well choreographed yeah the choreography I, was like it, it was it was and I am a hundred percent scared like in this moment I'm just like <laughs> I don't want to do this no more like I like I, I was well, like you're when, also easy when this scared. bitch came out and she's like yeah oh I don't do this no more mm, mm. yeah 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 <laughs> No. Mm -hmm. So, so, so you see this black girl with twists all over her hair. And so you can see someone has jokered this bitch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and she's got blood coming all up and down her hands and her nails are so ridiculous. The nails. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you see her and her friend was pop locking and dropping in the most insane, <laughs> scary, disturbing shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, like you remember that bitch who she came crawling out of the ring? Yes. She crawled out the TV. Okay. So it was so now there's two of them and they are black and they are traumatized. That's that's <laughs> what happened, right? And we don't know who killed them. And I'm so much more afraid. Um, so uh D basically walks backwards into a white man, and I'm like, girl, don't don't be doing danger both ways. Look, you gotta look. Uh, and and she's like, do you see that? And of course he doesn't see shit. And they're following way too quickly, like they're moving. Like, 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 like it, the, the way it's kind of like Michael Myers, where it's like, you know, he's walking like 0.5 miles, you know, an hour, but then you turn around and he's just always right behind you. Yeah, I would very much like that. And um, I am, I'm, I'm so worried for D in this moment because they are coming up like so close to uh, behind her and she's basically barely escaping at this point. Um, then we flipped <laughs> back to Atticus, Gia, and Letty having the most uncomfortable reunion. And Atticus is saying, so you're a succubus. Mm -hmm. And she says, in uh, Korea, we call it uh, komiho. A fox nine -tail, an, uh, Yeah, fox <laughs> We call it a fox <laughs> no, um, And nine-tailed fox spirits. And Atticus says, you killed a hundred men. She said, that's in my nature. What's your excuse? And I was like, mm. 
Mm. Uh, <laughs> explain that. Uh, and Gia explains that when I have sex, uh, that I have sex and her lover climax, uh, climaxes, her nine tails attached to him taking his life force. And this is how I'm able to see their entire lives up until their death. And she says, the last time that I was with you, everybody getting very uncomfortable at this moment. Mm. Uh, and Atticus is, <laughs> and Atticus is saying, when? Like, when am I supposed to die? How am I supposed to die? And I feel like I didn't know, but I am 100% team Gia and her nine-tailed pussy, 100%. <laughs> I really am, because the way that Atticus is coming at her right now is feeling very fucking ungrateful. Yeah, it, I'm just, it's like, giving, I got a new bitch. Like, it's, oh, you know, oh, like- Oh, so guess what? I got a new bitch, so you don't even fucking matter no more. Yeah. And it's not good. And I'm just like, bro, she could have eviscerated you. You could have been pieces of, like she could have taken your dick, ripped it off like a celery stalk and threw it over there. And she lets you live. <laughs> she lets you live, you ungrateful bitch. But anyway. <laughs> So Atticus um, starts drilling her with questions and, um, she, and she can't really answer any of them. He's like, who, when, where, where, how? And she says, I can't tell you, I just know what's gonna happen. And he's like, gee, why are you here then? And, and again, just I love very this scene. ungrateful. I love this Torn scene. you apart with her vagina scene. into tiny pieces. Mm -hmm. I love this scene. He's, why are you here? And then Letty, because she loves you. And when she said, I don't know, again, Journey Smollett, just, again, she really delivered, again, the writing, once again, I feel like I keep just cock writing Misha Green, but I don't care. Yes. But it, this scene, I love that scene because, again, it's, I thought it was really interesting how Atticus, being a man, you know, is is not understanding why is you here? Because he keeps asking her this over and over. And it was Letty being a woman and kind of piecing it and and also the pain's response to that. And it, she was saying it as she was realizing it in the moment. And she was yes. like, because she loves you. Oh, now I'm understanding like. Mm -hmm. and, I feel like it, and I feel like it was impossible not to see mm -hmm. that Gia absolutely loves this man. Mm -hmm. Otherwise she wouldn't have tried to warn you. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't have gotten her out and gotten, I don't know, flew? What would they fly? I don't know. She came from Korea to, to you I'm know what I mean? I'm pretty sure Korea in the, going from Korea to Chicago in the 1950s wasn't like a plane ride. Maybe there was a boat. This bitch took a boat to see you. Who, anyway. Right, I don't know. And even if it was a plane ride, it probably wasn't a nice one. So I, was so I was so upset with like Tick in this because he literally says to Gia, our shit wasn't real and I'm not mm. dying. Get the fuck out. I like the way that she like had to breathe afterward, like she is so fucking devastated. And I remember, I don't like really like it this much. I really don't. And he runs after Letty to do damage control. Okay. Mm -hmm. Letty is screaming that she wants her gone. And then she's like, well, he, she is gone. And she's like, good, well, go with her. And then she accuses him of basically hiding all of this truth from her. Uh, from her. And he was saying like, I didn't even know what really happened. I didn't really know, how, like, I thought, I had just kind of gone crazy. I mean, which I can understand, like that's not some normal shit for you to, she really threw you out, out her pussy with like nine <laughs> tentacles. So I, uh, like, so I get it. I understand where you might be like, is this real? Uh, and I feel like this episode should be like reparations for Gia because she don't deserve any of the smoke that she's getting right now. I really don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like 
and maybe I, I feel like Tick is just like really like amped up right now, but I these last few episodes, Tick has not been uh very level-headed and or, or kind. Or yeah. kind <laughs> or kind. And um I just feel like he kind of came at Gia like I don't know, like she was an op or something, you know, and I yes. it's like so I, I just like I you're the enemy. Mm -hmm. like you're the person I should be fighting. Mm -hmm. Not the white people. Right. Okay. Right. You're Not the evil yourself. white people with magic. You, you. You. I, I, I'm very, very upset. Uh, and I ain't gonna go through the whole the rest of this scene for you because I really don't care. You know how couples do. She she's like, oh my goodness, I'm so upset. And then he's just like, well, fine, I'm leaving. Then she run after him and shit. I'm like, I can't stand y'all bitches. Um, now, because she finally said when she finally said something mad hurtful, basically like everybody's been dying since you've been back anyway. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I didn't even call her Lydia in that moment. I was like, damn, Journey, that's fucked up. Um, and, and when she's walking after Atticus, because uh, he's obviously going the other way now, he says, I'm, Atticus says, I'm going to finish this. And of course, Letty is all hysterical. Like, what do you mean you're going to finish this? And he says that he's going to cast a spell. And she's like, I didn't even know that you finished it. And he says, I gave Christina the orary key and she told me how to cast the spell. And of course, this lady is asking the question that we was all asking, isn't that the way you might die since we've got the crazy Asian lady coming in here saying this is a premonition? Mm-hmm. You don't think that that maybe those aren't correlated, stupid? And he's he's just determined and he runs off and she halfway runs after him. And I think that she maybe stops because she's pregnant. I feel like she's just like, damn, I really mm -hmm. can't be doing this with him. Mm -hmm. um, and flip to Ruby, who walks in. This, this, this scene is where I wrote down all of the dialogue because this scene, we flip back to Ruby who walks in to see spider back bitch on the phone. <laughs> She's telling someone that she'll be there soon and she hangs up. And Ruby is basically just standing at the entrance of the room, kind of staring at her. And she says, a 14 year old boy was beat and shot to death and then tied with barbed wire by the neck to a cotton gin fan and then cast into the Tallahatchie River. Christina says, I know. And then Ruby says, but do you care mm -hmm. at all? Mm -hmm. And Christina says, in pure white woman fashion, you want me to say yes. And Ruby says, I don't want you to say anything. I want you to feel what I feel right now. Heartbroken, scared, furious, tired, so fucking tired of feeling this way over and over. And I want you to feel alone and shameful because I'm here feeling this and you will never understand it. And I want you to feel guilty for feeling safe next to you and all of your privilege. I should be on the South side with my people mourning a sweet little boy who was taken from us. You wanna know why I took that potion? Because of today of all days, I didn't wanna be a black woman fucking a white man. Christina shakes her head and says, no. I don't care about Emmett Till. I don't care about Roy Bryant or J.W. Willem who will never receive justice for what they did. I don't care that half the city is on the brink because of it and I don't think that you really do either. This, I feel like Christina's dialogue was truly written by a white woman. 
you're on mute. Oh, shit, I mute myself. I was laughing. I was like, I really feel like Misha Green, which was writing the script, just handed it off to a white woman, was like, here, you write this part. <laughs> and she was like, I got this. There's a defense. Like, Trust me. <laughs> There's a defense for all of this, I promise. <laughs> and she says, pain. You said it was like being unmade, the transformation, but that's not what I saw when I was fucking you. I saw someone being reborn. You took that potion because you wanted to hide from the fact that even on today of all days, you are a woman that wanted what she wanted. Mm. Let's dissect mm. Christina's response. <laughs> Christina's response makes me laugh because the other week I was talking, we were talking about this at work and I was saying, you know, honest to God, I really would just respect all white people if they were just straight up was like, you know what? I'm, you know what? I'm fucking racist. And actually that's why I don't, you know, whatever, whatever. I would respect you for that. Not because it's respectable, but because I'm just like, you know what? Thank you for just being straight up about that. You know, because I'm so glad you finally just did that instead of trying to give me a monologue justifying all this nonsense. And you just cut straight to it and you said, you know what? I'm racist. I said, you know what? Okay. <laughs> the mental gymnastics. The mental gymnastics. And, like, <laughs> and I feel like Christina did that in this scene. She was just like, you know what? Actually, yeah, I don't give a fuck. And I feel like she was saying the quiet thing out loud that I feel like, honestly, a lot of white people really think to themselves. They wouldn't say it to us, you know, but I'm sure amongst themselves, they're like, honestly, I don't care. That has nothing to do with me, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's kind of what Christina was saying here. This has nothing to do with me. Um, uh, so I think that... You, Ruby's Ruby's initial monologue was, of course, just, I mean, I was watching it and my neck almost ripped off from the way I was nodding aggressively. I was like, yup, 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 yes, ma'am. You know, like while, while she was talking, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I was like sucking dick. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know? So, I was actually sucking Misha Green's dick. And we will continue to do so. And we will continue pride. to do so. We will continue, <laughs> you know, with pride. With pride. Listen. Put my name on that shit. Um, um, I also I also think with uh with Christina's um response, I feel like it was almost gaslighting in a way, where mm -hmm. she was trying to convince Ruby mm -hmm. that what you don't mm -hmm. care either. Mm -hmm. She wanted Ruby to again unmute herself, step outside yourself. Make right. Okay, so that language. All right, so that language. Right, that language. Right. So that goes back to that step outside of yourself. Like that goes back to stop the victimizing mentality. And what does this have to do with you? And I think that she, what she wanted from Ruby was the same detachment that she had from it because it's like oh you should aspire for greater like what does this have to do with you like so that kind of language that she was using of oh step out of your box was really code for stop giving a fuck mm -hmm. you know Honestly. and 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 was minimizing what ruby was feeling 
And you know, if you could just, if you take what I'm giving you, you can be so much more than even mm-hmm. human where you're not gonna care about these mm-hmm. little things that goes on around you. You don't have to care because you're gonna be above them. Like, mm-hmm. like, like that was what I was mm-hmm. getting from mm-hmm. what she said, like a hundred percent, especially when she was talking, like she was here giving her own words back to her. Like it, your transformation was like being unmade and she wanted Ruby to be in the space of you don't have to be who you are. Your identity doesn't have to be this. And what mm-hmm. white people will never understand is that you can never take this identity off the person, mm-hmm. even when Kunifa and Kanye want to do it. <laughs> they cannot. You cannot take it off of me because if Kanye grows a big enough beard and he goes to the South somewhere, he too can get shot. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't even matter your mindset. I cannot take off this identity. And as she was almost trying to gaslight her in a way with, and also um, almost with like offerings of magic that you will never have to feel this way again at all, period. But that goes back to the erasure and, and erasure relationships that we were talking about a little bit earlier, because it goes into, look, you're with me now. So you should step out of this and you should stop caring because now that you're with me and I live, this is how I live my life. This is how you need to start doing it too. Damn, I didn't even think of that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think of it like that. Damn, Mm -hmm. yeah. Now that you're with me, Mm -hmm. this is now the way that you're going to live Mm -hmm. and adopt, adapt, Mm -hmm. erase. Mm -hmm. It was it was, it's, ah. Mm -hmm. I, I really love the fact uh, I really like this, that whole monologue was so fucking good. And I, I really appreciate the fact that we actually named the people that killed Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. We always talk about Emmett Till and we don't talk about the men that killed him. Mm-hmm. J.W. Willem and Roy Bryant, mm-hmm. who died and lived full, beautiful mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. and never saw justice for murdering that boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel they, so again, just hitting so many things in this monologue on a regular basis, <laughs> because I feel like we don't put, we don't say the name of, of the, of the perpetrators near enough. Talk about Breonna no Taylor. I want to know the name of the officers. Who were the officers? So right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look up the names of the officers, but mm-hmm. we all know Breonna Taylor. Like mm-hmm. we all know Ahmaud Arbery. We don't know the names of them. Like I, I, I want us to start flipping it. <laughs> like I want us to never forget who these black people are, but mm-hmm. I need us to also be saying the names of the perpetrators and naming the thing the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're gonna go ahead and flip back to poor D. <laughs> mm. She is walking up to the Winthrop house and she sees Letty who is now dressed and walking out the door. And she's asking Letty desperately. And, and also I'm thinking, what kind of like voodoo voodoo is this? Because Letty was originally looking for D and very worried, sees D coming up and says nothing. Oh, you know, I mean, yeah, you're right. Does it, doesn't say a fucking word. And this is where I feel like some of the magic is coming in that like it spit on D's forehead, which is gonna make people basically ignore her voice or she's not gonna be able to talk about what those two officers um, mm. uh, did to D. So I'm wondering if that's a part of this because that made that reaction made no sense. And Letty is, is, is cutting her off and aggressive with her and like, basically bitch, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And then when she tries to tell Letty what's going on. She starts to cough and can't get the words out. Here 
here, Liddy. Go inside and drink some water and keep on walking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so upset. And then we see Flopsy and Mopsy, the hip hop horror <laughs> twins, come out the corner. All right. Um, and right where Liddy is, uh, Liddy is walking and Dee is trying to warn her, but again, she can't do anything about it. Um, and she, uh, so she tries to go inside the house and she sees Woody, the car that Hippolyta was supposed to be driving in. Like, and basically the family car that is like, like stashed away at the back of the house. Mm -hmm. And she goes to start looking inside the car and guess who squishes they face up against the window. I was like, ah, lad, ah, lad, run, bitch, run. I was <laughs> I was so, listen, so the, so the Midnight Eerie hip hop crew is chasing her, <laughs> okay? And we flip, then we, which by the way, I was very upset when they cut this scene. I'm like, oh, so we, she, she, she just running for her life. That's what's up. Mm -hmm. We flip to Atticus who is walking up on Montrose who was sitting at the light pole drinking. And remember they haven't spoken since their last interaction where Atticus basically calls him a slur. Mm, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 walks away in homophobia. Stamp, stamp, stamp. And they haven't <laughs> stomps away in homophobia. Yes. Basically, and so and they haven't really had like a conversation since. And it doesn't. And it's not beyond me that obviously Tick is way more hurt about the fact more than the fact that Montrose fucks men. Obviously, mm -hmm. he, was, he was abused during his childhood by Montrose. Mm -hmm. um, he was obviously made to feel less than and small with no voice to the point where this man volunteered to go to the army. You don't volunteer to go to the army <sighs> in the 50s if your home life is beautiful. I might as well tell you. Um, it's true though. It, 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 you know what I'm saying? So at this moment, uh, Montrose uh, basically tells Atticus that Dee was here, but she snuck out again. And Atticus responds with, did you cheat on my mama? And I felt that. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I felt that. Because that, yeah. that was outside there, that was outside of the homophobia. That was outside of all the bullshit. He was just like, the, the betrayal. Did you cheat mm -hmm. on my mama, mm -hmm. bro? Like that, mm -hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? And Montrose is silent for a second. Atticus starts to walk away and he's like, I had desires, but I never acted on them. And I feel like this is the first time, I feel like Atticus feels like he's actually getting honesty out of Montrose. So he actually mm -hmm. sits down next to him to listen. And he said, but I never acted on them, not until after she was gone. And he was like, when I was an eight year old, uh, an eight year old, um, he was like in one of my churches, uh, somebody got found out and found in a park with another man. And, but they always just said it was rumors. And then one day the police came, put him in handcuffs. And next thing you know, he was in an asylum where they cut off half his brain. And we know this happens. We lobotomized him. Mm -hmm. It historically happens. Go watch some Nurse Ratchet if you want to watch it in mm -hmm. <laughs> entertaining form. Mm -hmm. And he says he chose a life over an asylum. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and I was like, damn. And then he said, your mama and I lost everything in those riots. Massacre, really. Because I was like, that was not a riot, baby. Mm -hmm. That was just a that was just a massacre, and they both wanted a family so badly. And maybe it wasn't romantic, but uh, but family of uh, a, 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 fam a familial love is some of the strongest kind. And it made me want to stop and just kind of discuss for a second 
how we put romantic relationships on kind of like the top tier of type of relationship as if mm-hmm. no other type of relationship can be yeah. found. And it's crazy to me to the point where we shame, we're still shaming women for being single at 36 and above. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if a man, God forbid, a man uh, is trying to defend a woman, they're going to be like, so where's your wife? Mm -hmm. Not everybody needs to, the the codependency of of society in general is, is, and I, when I say codependency, I mean specifically on romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. specifically. Like I am, and I'm glad that I'm seeing an uptick of different relationships start to flourish. Like Mm -hmm. I saw uh, two single moms who I guess met on TikTok, really shitty baby daddies. And they decided to do life together. They live together. They make sure the other one can go on their own vacations or their date nights. They pick each other's kids up from school. They make that they do life together. And I'm just like, what a beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. And they would yeah. not be even pathetic. They would be like, I can't believe you're doing this. Where's your man? Mm-hmm. And we we put such a, a ridiculous amount of pressure on people for this coupling shit. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that he said uh, fa- familial race relationships can be some of the strongest shit. Like the relationship that I have with my people, my uh, mm-hmm. like who are like literally more than just friends to me. Mm-hmm. They're literally extended family. Mm-hmm. So the, and the fact that people could say that my life is somehow unfulfilling because mm-hmm. I don't have that romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like you refuse to look at all of the other beautiful relationships that I have that fulfill me. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like it's such a disservice mm-hmm. and not just to women like me, but honestly to the people even speaking it. So this means if you don't have a wife or a husband that you're just not worthy no more. Does that, you know what I mean? Like this. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that the culture has an obsession with, or I mean, and by the culture, I mean, just like, I don't know, I don't know if it's just uh, Western culture, or I don't even know what it would be. But I mean, I guess the, 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 the general climate uh, seems to be that everything is kind of catered to couples and pairings and, and, and romantic relationships. And I mean, we've seen this over and over again. I mean, so it's happened to me before when I was in the most volatile relationship of my life and I allowed that relationship to consume me, but we see this in, in our friends where they start, you know, they get a new boyfriend or girlfriend and you never see them again. They just (laughs) disappear and they don't hang out with anybody else. They just are consumed with each other. And that's my best friend. Right. And they're not even, and the worst part is, is like, they're discouraged from having uh, other relationships. And it's just like, the reality of it is, it's like, and you know, my, my partner, my, my husband at this, you know, (laughs) love you, babe, you know, at this (laughs) point knows I love him to absolute death. But I mean, realistically, it's just like, one person can't be everything you know it's just like that's why you need friends too you need other people to talk to you need other people to you know do different things with and I mean you know I'm very much the type of person that's just like I have friends like if I want to go for a few drinks I know who I'm gonna hit up you know if I want to go you know do this I know who I'm gonna hit up you know I'm saying it's just like you have friends for all these different kinds of things but all of this to say that uh I think yeah it is fucked up I mean I know people who are asexual 
And, you know, they kind of talk about the same things. It's just like, yeah, people just really get upset and they don't understand why. And I think I'm ruining my life and I'm wasting my life. And they're like, I just don't feel the need for that. Like, I just don't want that. Like, I just don't. And it's like you said, it's like, if you, if you feel happy and fulfilled, then that's all that matters. It's just like, I understand that you may not be able to function without another person, but that doesn't mean I, I can't, you know? So like, mm-hmm. And there are so many people who are in relationships right now, in relationships today, that if you were to take away that, that, that relationship, that they would have to figure out who they are now. Mm-hmm. And that's uh-huh. something that I used to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I, listen, I'm saying it as a bitch who used to do it. Like I would get mm-hmm. out of a relationship and be like, damn, I really made all the things that that person wanted, things that I wanted. And I didn't actually want those things like you don't even realize Mm -hmm. how much you're taking on Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like oh just having to sleep in bed by yourself after being in a long relationship feels traumatizing Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and i'm and i'm not saying that you people shouldn't be in love with their partners and and there's so much that uh, that a romantic relationship can give you that's fulfilling and i will 100 percent agree with that but at the same time, there's so many other relationships that you are neglecting. And I feel like there should be balance. Mm-hmm. That's all. I'm just saying balance. Mm-hmm. Like you, so you haven't like had a haven't had another conversation with another person other than your partner, and it's been about a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should like come on, man. And don't those friends who loved you before that relationship feel a little fucked up right now? Like, mm-hmm. bitch, where you been? <laughs> Mm-hmm. but I I just I, I just had to go ahead and say that no but uh, it's true though because I mean and again friendships are relationships so I mean these a lot of times these people don't stop to consider like I could I'm hurting people's feelings that actually did care about me that I just stopped talking to them you know I just stop answering the messages I never see them anymore right you know what I mean and then up until they break up then they want to re-emerge and pop out the woodworks and be like oh my god hi everybody and it's just like bitch like where you been like, where you been yeah what are we doing <laughs> like for real though mm-hmm. I it's uh it's really upsetting I feel like for people like myself who have been voluntarily single, I know it's really hard for people to believe, but voluntarily single for the last four years and for people to almost gaslight me into saying, well, you you really want a relationship. Mm-hmm. Not, not really. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually good right now. I feel good mm-hmm. being by myself. My father, my he knows the same way. My godfather, he's like, I, he's like, I want sex. He's like, I want, he's like, I want, yeah. He's like, when I want to, you know, get intimate, I want sex. He's like, I'll see that out. He's like, but a relationship, but like to be, he's like, I don't want that. He's like, I, he's like, I want my space. I, I want my peace. I, he's like, I, I don't want to deal with that. Sometimes you, know? you just don't want to worry about another person. And that's fine. It's something is, sometimes it's just that simple. Sometimes you mm-hmm. just don't want to have to ask somebody else their opinion. They, I like, mean, on a more like, you know, uh, X-rated example, it's like masturbating. You know, it's just like when you're mas- versus fucking, you know, like when you're fucking, it's just like, I mean, if you're, 
if you're good at fucking, you know, you're focused on the other person and trying to make them feel good. And, you know, you're trying to, you know what I'm saying? But when you're masturbating, like you don't give, you don't have to give a shit about it's you. You just worry about you. Like what feels Listen, good to you? Like right. we made it and that's it. <laughs> and, that's and, it. and sometimes and listen, I just feel like for people, I feel like by, I, you know what? I say all that to say this, believe people, just believe mm -hmm. them when they say that they're good. If they're good by themselves, if they're good in their relationship, please don't, please don't tell them how they feel about themselves. That's mm -hmm. very weird sauce. Mm -hmm. Y'all should stop it. But uh, anyway, so uh, moving back into, into the scene. Now, Montrose says, uh, when he has this whole uh, discussion talking about how a family of love is, can be like, is the strongest kind, he says, you'll understand when you, if you are blessed to have kids. And Atticus's response is, well, Letty is pregnant. And he says, Letty hasn't told him yet, Mm -hmm. And um, and then when he said Letty had told him that, I'm like, nigga, how you know? <laughs> and he, and he because said, he had the book in his back. You noticed that that he had Lovecraft Country in his pocket, right? And remember, Lovecraft Country was a book that he had that he was reading in the mm -hmm. first scene of the show. And what That's I didn't realize, right. no, and I didn't realize that when he went through that, when he had gone through the portal or what have you, he just had a book. He had, he'd had a book in his hand. I'd never, I'd never know. I had to go back and rewatch. I had to go back and watch it. I didn't realize. And he says, um, Hippolyte is not the only one who went through the portal. I was like, nigga, what? I had to go rewatch the shit because I did not remember. And he says, I went to the future and he pulls out a copy of Lovecraft Country by George Freeman. And he says, that's my son. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that shit, I was like, oh, but you notice, so the changes that he talks about that were in that book were the changes that in the first episode I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I said how D was a boy. Yes. He's and he says that D was a boy Horace. named yes. Horace. That was how it is. That's how it is in the book. Um, so all the changes that he said are different are the book. Like he's referring to the actual book, mm -hmm. but then it also made me laugh when I turned the back over and I saw George Freeman and I was like, that's a black man. But then I was like, Matt Ruff, is, that's not Matt Ruff. I'm like, it's that's Matt Ruff. We know Matt Ruff is a white man. We had to discuss that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, <laughs> um, we'll and I, that that for, I think that'll be an interesting thing to talk about in a finale of how we really feel about a white man writing a story like this one. Uh, because I mean, again, we know white authors tend to not write black people or people of color for that matter very well. Uh, and I, and I'm not, and I'll, and I would love to see more white authors writing black characters, but where I draw issues usually is where the stories have to do with black identity and what, and the politics of that. And I think that he writes, I mean, that's what the book is about. So I found it, I was a little, first I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this book, but I mean, let's see, I'm gonna finish it and do a review on it. Um, yes, please finish it because I wasn't going to. Because um, I started <laughs> it, I got to like the third or fourth chapter and I was just like, I don't know, I was real salty. And I just decided <laughs> to watch the show instead because <laughs> I was really salty about it. Fair. Um, and another thing that I will, the, another thing that I think about white people writing black characters, 
I'm not going to say that I'm whole on against it. I feel like everybody deserves to be able to write a diverse world. Mm -hmm. So if you will, um, but my issues are, is that y'all do it so shitty. Mm -hmm. You do not like, like, it's almost like when you are speaking from a black character's perspective, you know, and then we hear the words that are coming out of this black character. It makes me think that you don't know any black people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at this point, my critique is that you need to do this better. And I also need you to make not go ahead and create stories with black leads. Mm -hmm. You do not have the, um, you don't got the bankroll. Mm -hmm. You do not got it. Mm -hmm. And I need y'all to stop. A mm -hmm. lead black character, let it go. Mm -hmm. Let it go. Write what you know. You don't know me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense I have no issues with white people writing diverse characters or learning things and deciding they want to write about them write about those things from the white perspective mm -hmm. stop writing about those things as if you are that ethnicity that's an issue for me that's and that's what it was with Lovecraft Country so it's like mm. it's still an issue for me <laughs> <laughs> it is no it is like that's why it's because again it's about that it's a black lead and it's about black identity and, so and it's like really about black identity mm -hmm. like <laughs> so how was a white man writing about this i'm confused and i'm just like and i also feel like oh i guess one of the reasons that i should read the book so i can see feel how authentic the voices are you you might when you go ahead and review it maybe you'll let me know like mm. The voices and Letty and George Freeman really sound as they thought authentic as they do in the show. Because Probably not, but let's see. I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, because you could tell that these this is was written by mm -hmm. black people. Black people was writing this dialogue. Mm -hmm. It might have been a white man's story about black people, but you could tell that there was black people in the room and behind this dialogue. So. I feel like it's certainly something that needs to be discussed far more often. And I honestly feel like white people just need to write what they know. Colleen mm -hmm. Hoover, let me tell you something. You, you, you want to see, see a white woman do some amazing things? Go read Verity. Have that bitch scared the shit out of you in the middle of the night, can't go to sleep. Go <laughs> ahead. Like you, There's plenty of amazing um, artwork that is out there that does not put me on for entertainment or for discussion purposes mm -hmm. with no real intention that it feels like it actually benefits the community. Mm -hmm. That That's all, that's all. Now, we are gonna go ahead and uh, flip to Letty, who is in church and praying deeply about her situation, obviously. And I certainly think that we all would be. And I love the fact that she ended her prayer extending grace to Emmett Till's family and Mamie. But of course, now we see Christina walking up, uh, walking up. And Christina says, uh, well, I didn't really see you as a woman of faith. And she responds, well, I didn't either until I died and was resurrected again. And Christina says, that wasn't a miracle, that was magic. And Letty says, are they really so different? And I'm like, mm -hmm. Uh, now, Christina says that my father thought he was godlike, but he was really just a mortal man that had power, basically. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very good point to, to, to put out. So I was like, it all can't really be ruled a miracle if you're coming from a fucked up place, can it? <laughs> you know? Um, and then Letty 
pulls out negatives of Adam's pages. Tell me why both Letty and Tick are doing backdoor deals with Spider-Back Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Backdoor deals with Spider-Back Bitch. Yep. I was just like, I was like, y'all's not smart. This is, I, I'm telling you, I'm team G. She's the only one acting like she got some sense. Um, and then she says, um, what will what what will you give me these negatives for? You know, she's like, well, for Atticus's vulnerability. And mm-hmm. she says, no, but I'll do it for yours. And I'm thinking to myself, Letty, Letty, you're not gonna wonder why that she won't do it for Atticus. But she'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. You don't think that means Atticus is. That's what I'm saying. Like I, 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 I was, I was just like, so we're just not fucking thinking. We're just, we just. You didn't ask any questions, like why? You didn't. Even, I was so upset. I was so upset during the scene. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, and then Letty, of course, she hesitates, and then she takes it, and I'm just like, bitch, you're not, you're not gonna ask yourself no question. And the fact that now she's got Adam's pages and she's got the orrery key. We... All right, cool. They're just giving her everything she needs at this point. So Bro, just... I was just like, yo, I, uh, I don't, I'm not going to have a whole lot of sympathy for the end of this because y'all really backed mm. this up against you. Yeah, they're really not putting their heads together too much. Uh, but... I, I, like for real, for real. So she says she'll go ahead and do it for the invulnerability. She gives her the uh, fucking pages and Christina speaks some words and suddenly a mark is burned into Letty's side. And Christina says, oh, that's the, that's the mark of Cain. I was like, oh, just the mark of Cain. That's what's up. Um, and then she <laughs> walks away. <laughs> She's like, oh, perf. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. And then I just, I'm just so upset. They're both making backhanded deals with this bitch. It doesn't make any sense. And we flip back to Dee, who is still on her bike. And we know that she's been on her bike for a second because now it is uh, below dusk. It is mm-hmm. nighttime, bitches, okay? And she's basically trying to see if it's safe to kind of cross the street. She's coming out of an alleyway. And, and again, we got the eerie hip hop crew just, <laughs> you know, coming out. trying. To, I was so, I, I, when I say that whoever these women are, these girls, women, talented, whoever, you scare me. And if you look strange in my direction, I'm throwing water at you and running. <laughs> I promise you, I, like, it could be in the middle of the daytime, you look real normal. Look at me fucked up one time. I, I promise you, I'm throwing drinks and I'm running. Um, now, and, and of course, they, they coming up from behind her. And I'm just like, I really, they really did the editing in this, in this show so epically because Every time we think that this bitch is about to go ahead and touch her, we switch to another scene. <laughs> it was wild. The tension, like, I was so anxious watching this entire, like, sequence. I was oh, like, oh, my God. Like, why are you doing this to me? I can't wait till we're watching these things together. Um, now, oh, we seriously. to Atticus and Montrose sitting on the couch, and we hear sirens because this, while all of this is going on, they're still rioting. Mm-hmm. We're still having a full-on like war outside because this little boy was murdered so mercilessly, and we uh, Montrose is saying to Atticus that he um, never should have given the Ori key to Christina, and Atticus is like, "She can't do anything with it. It's broken. You're dumb. <laughs> oh, You're Atticus. dumb." 
She's got magic, bitch. You think she can't fix it? You're just stupid. Anyway, whatever. So she says, and, and, um, and so Mantra says, um, what is that? Does that mean that Hippolyta is basically trapped in the future? And he says, I don't know. It was so chaotic. White folks were rioting. And I was only there for a second before a woman in a hood came in and shoved a book in my hand and pushed me back to the, por the, the, the portal with a robotic arm. Montrose uh, begins to read uh, the, the back of the book that's obviously Atticus's son's uh, that was written. And Atticus tells him that it's basically our family story, like we were talking about earlier. Some details have changed. The fact that Christina is a man, the fact that Dee is actually uh, a boy in the book named Horace, and there's enough similarities for there, for there to be a truth in it. And Montrose says, please tell me there's a happy ending. And I was like, nigga, we black, stop it. And Atticus <laughs> says, I don't know why he said that. I was like, that's dumb. And Atticus says that Christina sacrifices him on the autumnal equinox for immortality. And Atticus says, I know that casting the spell might kill me, but I have to give every chance I can to live for my son. And he's like, what do you think I should do? And Mantra says, I always thought that I would die by the end of some white man's knife, gun, or rope. Magic has got so much more jazz. I was mm. like, ah! Oh! Michael K. Williams. Mm. Why aren't you with us? But Malign, I mean, <laughs> and to think that, I mean, to have to live with that in your mind too. Like, I always thought that's how I would go. Like, bro, the fact that you and the fact that that was normal mm -hmm. for black people to think to themselves more than likely, more I will like die a, I will of meet a, I will I'll die a violent death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, like it, it's it's insane to me. And Montrose says, doesn't spell casting have to do with intention? Atticus says, yes, sir. And he says, well, it's my intention to do everything I can to save my son and my grandson, even if it kills me. Mm. Now we flip back to crazy cop man with a black man's chest, <laughs> conversing over, uh, you know, the newspaper. And we see Letty's in the newspaper, uh, you know, cause she already bought the Winthrop house and all of the awesome stuff that she was doing in the community and made it to the white man's paper. Okay. Uh, and he was saying, listen, we don't know much about them. We can't just come at them. You know, we don't know what kind of magic they know. And then D busts into the room. This was, this was the part where I was like, girl, where are we going? I love this scene. I love I was, this scene. I, I, I was, I was, I, I listen, I really forgot so much of this day I'm sure, but I was sitting here befuddled. I, I promise. Not but befuddled. But after two minutes, I was like, I didn't even care because it was such a good scene. So D comes busting in and she's demanding um, the answers. Like, what did you do to me with your fucking spit? And she and he says, I can't have you telling people about our talks. But he says, I can make it go away if you get the orrery and bring it to me. And D spits on him and says, fuck you, pig. I love when he asks her, do you know what an orrery is? And she goes, yeah, I know what a fucking orrery is. Yeah. I was like, yo. <laughs> yo, and then when she said, after she said that, she was like, and Hippolyta is Greek. Asshole, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but you know what I also thought to myself as well? And I, and I was thinking this um, afterward, after I was so confused, I was just like, we rarely ever see Black women actually be able to do something in retaliation to mm -hmm. their 
Mm-hmm. You, we never get to see, mm-hmm. even though this mm-hmm. wasn't the retaliation, the violent retaliation that I would have wanted. But for her to even be able to do that in this time, this was pure rebellion. And mm-hmm. I loved every minute of it, especially when she left and she was like, and it stinks in here. And I was mm-hmm. like, and it fucking stinks in here. <laughs> she walked out. <laughs> it's like, you tell him. Okay. Yeah, no, it was really something to be able to, like you said it. And again, it goes back to black rage, black female rage to be able to see just that. And I mean, it was, it was a great scene just for that reason alone, (laughs) that you got to see that pushback, you know, that, that she doesn't even give a fuck anymore. You know, she's like, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna say my, I'm gonna say my piece. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I'm Mm -hmm. gonna say my piece. And that's what I loved about it. Straight up. And um, then we flip back to Montrose and Atticus for just a second, right? They're trying to do this spell. They are, you know, he wrote, uh, he did a little square in blood. You got um, (laughs) Montrose, who lets us know that he's uh, dyslexic. And to Atticus is like, is there anything else you want to tell me, bitch? Like, (laughs) Like, do I even know you? (laughs) <laughs> like I was like, this is when you ask about when you finally get dyslexic. Okay, you stupid. But anyway, but um, but obviously, but they go ahead. They try to do the spell, and it, nothing happened. So they think nothing. It didn't work. And then we move on to a scene that annoyed me so thoroughly. <laughs> so, spider bag, bitch. Mm. I guess she was thinking about what Ruby had said, right? Um, I'm glad we're going to talk about this scene because I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, I was just like, okay. Like, this is, it's a, it was, it was so performative. And just like, if you really just wanted to test if you were immortal, like, you could have done that such you know what I mean? Like your ways of like testing and drink, drink some poison, bitch. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the fact that she took the exact description that mm-hmm. uh, Ruby had given um, about what happened to Emmett Till, and she's literally paid two white men. Who knows? Maybe it was the same white men paid two white men <laughs> to go ahead and put barbed wire around her neck and beat her and throw her in the Tallahatchie River. And I was just like, you're gonna live. I feel like the fact that you gonna live, like you're going to live. So what, why are you doing? What do you think this does for us? It's almost like whenever we have like Black History Month and we have, we all of a sudden you see all of the, the videos where you see white people being like, I'm sorry for slavery. I asked you for that. I mean, yeah, it was like when uh, Floyd was murdered and you had everyone in the fucking White House dress up like Wakanda forever and 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 fucking do the black power. Kneel in their out. fucking dashiki. Kneeling the dashikis. Like, I was like, did we ask for this? Like, is this, like, who asked for this? <laughs> like, no, no one asked you to do that. We want you to fix things. We're like, we're like, please stop killing us. We are going to orchestrate a live performance of the Circle of Life at the White House instead. How about that? <laughs> like through <laughs> contemporary dance. Through contemporary like, dance. Like I, it's, it's 
beyond ridiculous. And it's like, it's like, do you Sang by Beyonce. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, you're, you like, we can see you're pandering, Miss Hillary, where there's hot sauce in my bag. Oh my God. That was just so. Do you remember? <laughs> it seems like, I feel like she was like, what is it that the blacks these days like? <laughs> <laughs> What's popping in the streets out there? <laughs> what, are, what are all the Negroes raving about these days? No, they call them Negras when it's a woman. So what, and that's the ones I'm trying to talk to. So I wonder what the Negras are doing now. I feel like, I feel like, oh, you know who I hear is big? That, uh, uh, that uh, uh, what's her name? Bettonite? Oh, Bettonite. <laughs> the one, the one who, who came out with the Ice T album. With oh, the like I, I, I promise you, I, pro I promise you. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, really, it, it, it really, it really is like that. But it goes back to just the, just I love how you, you said performative, yes. because that's that's what it is, and it reminds me of just real time when you see just shit like that. It's just so obviously performative that it's like, why, like, like, why are you even doing all of this again? Like, I. At the, at the first time, I mean, the first initial blow when he first hit her, I'm not going to lie, like, I winced. But it's mostly just, like, seeing men just beat on a woman like that at first. I was like, this is just still kind of, like... Yeah, I just didn't yeah, like watching I, men beating on a woman. On that a woman? Really yeah, that 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 was just kind of... That element in itself made it just a little hard to watch. But then I remembered it was Spider-Back, and I quickly got over it. So, like, it was... Bro, I was like, like, like just turned into Williams. I wish you just turned to Williams so I wouldn't have to worry about this. Because if you turned to Williams, I wouldn't have winced at all. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. At all. No, at all. At all. Not at even. All. And I, I feel like, and, and to any of our white uh, listeners, um, hopefully you are more than allies, that you are you are an accomplice. Mm. Um, I hope that's how you identify. Um, but I need you to understand that I don't want you to apologize to me. I want you to help me fix it. <laughs> like, all, 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 like you think we want you to apologize for your existence. And we're literally telling you, you have the privilege and power to fix it. Help me. And you're telling me, oh, I'm going to dress up in a dashiki instead. Do you feel better? I'm going to put Harriet Tubman on a 20. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Never mind. Like, what are you doing? So, uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> just had to go off on that for just a but second. it's true though but that was an example of that like it was just such a per weird performative like what are you trying to prove with this exactly like I don't know like and then again knowing that you're going to live doing that it's like I think to, I think Christina I, I'm sorry spider back I think honestly is just uh what would be the word I think she's sadistic Yes. And I think she's also masochistic. Uh, and I think and she's a narcissist. Just, and a nar and a raging narcissist. <laughs> a on top raging of that. narcissist. And a raging narcissist. And on I top think of the that. one thing that Christina has has literally continued to portray during this entire show is about the fact that she does not give a fuck about anything other than her goal. Nobody. She literally was, uh, she literally uh, knew who Hiram was, knew he was taking pieces and body parts, but guess what? He had an ornery that's mm -hmm. going to help her. She does not give a fuck about mm -hmm. you or how she gets to where she's trying to go. That's why when people try to keep 
painting the, like Ruby and uh, Christina's relationship and anything other than manipulation. I just, we I'm like, I'm sorry. With, with I'm like, Christina I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. Not need a sex scene with Christina. We really didn't. We re- nobody asked. We nobody asked for that. At nobody all. asked for that ever. I, I promise you. I I, I know I didn't. <laughs> now. We go ahead and we uh, switch scenes where Letty and Ruby finally have a scene where it's basically confession time. Um, While Letty is uh, downstairs developing more pictures, looking at all of these beautiful pictures of her in tech. It was was like a black love spread. It looked like an Essence magazine in black and white all over that. Not Essence magazine. (laughs) It really did. It was like... 1950s sexy. I was like, damn, girl, I just want to watch. <laughs> That's what those pictures, but anyway. Um, so there, so while she's doing that, uh, Ruby comes downstairs and Ruby says, uh, basically is saying, Letty tells Ruby that she's pregnant. And Ruby says um, that she basically knows all about magic, that uh, Christina uh, Braithwaite is a man I fuck sometimes on the low, and he's going to give me powers. <laughs> And I'm going to be able to create my own space. Because oh, I realized that even God. after I took, bro, the, 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 the fact that you, and I'm always going to say this over and over and over, you cannot dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. With the master's tools. You mm-hmm. cannot. It is impossible. And this is Ruby thinking that she can. That's basically what's happening. Mm-hmm. And she said that, um, that I, she basically, he he gave me a potion that made me a white woman, and I realized that I don't want that I don't want to be white. I just want to create my own space, and Christina's going to teach me. And then Letty's like, "Bitch, is you crazy?" Letty's, Letty reminded me of that scene in Oh my God, what is it? In the family that prays at the end when they're trying to talk to her uh, that I forget her name but she's like you really think he's gonna leave his wife and his son for you and she's like yes yes I do like it's giving that it's giving it's the same it's like show me two scenes that have the same energy and it's and it's and it's that (laughs) it's it's, it's definitely that the delusion. It's the delusion. The delusion it's the is delusion. one thousand. I'm That's sorry. why when Letty just buried her face in her hand, I was like, "That would have been me, girl." I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, my, like, god. oh my god!" But then I'm also <laughs> like, "Letty, pick your hand up, out your hand." Didn't you just give this bitch Adam's pages? So we that's all also, fucking. That's also true. That's also true. We all fucking Christina basically at this point. Let, let, let's be honest. Um, and then all of a sudden we hear voices upstairs. And Letty, and then we hear one of Letty's boarders, because we're at the Winthrop house. We hear one, one of Letty's uh, boarders say that Letty needs to get her ass upstairs right fucking now. And we see that police has surrounded the Winthrop oh house. Oh my God. Bro, when I, I feel like the level of terror, the level of terror to see all of those police that outside. Was ter- that was terrifying just to even watch. I, feel like, I wonder if white people will ever know. Mm-mm. I wonder if white people will ever know the, the when I see cops, my heart sinks. It drops every time my heart drops. I'm like, oh, like I, I like, and I, and I will um, deviate for just a second. I remember um, of all the times that I have been pulled over or had interactions with cops, um, which has to be a story time that we do a little bit later. Um, but there was only one time where there was a, a white cop because the black ones sometimes can be worse. We've discussed. Uh, oh yeah, I got cop. something to prove. Bruh, 
this white cop pulled me over and I guess it was, I had passed a stop sign because it was kind of covered by bushes. I was living on the farm at the time. And when you're kind of driving out, you're kind of driving out of the woods if we're being honest. And um, so I didn't see the stop sign and it was already late at night. So when he pulled me over, I was shaking so bad that this man put down the flashlight. He's like, I'm not gonna hurt you. Oh God, yeah, wow. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna hurt you. I promise you I'm not. And he literally stepped two feet away from my window to talk to me because he saw how scared I was. He saw the other cop going up to the other window. He's like, mm -hmm. go back. Mm -hmm. I was so, like, I couldn't even talk. Like I, I, like every word that I was trying to say, I was bursting into tears, trying to, I'm here trying to find like the insurance. Where's the insurance? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is, it's, it's very, very, it's a very, very real. I mean, for me, it's keep both my hands on the steering wheel. Like I talk in a very low, like. And I reach into the glove box to get the information you're mm -hmm. asking for. Mm -hmm. Now I can reach into the glove box. I can give this to you. Then I put my hands back on the steering wheel. Like it is such like, even when I see those interactions with black people who will go ahead and only crack their window down this much and they're actually standing up for their rights and they're like, I, I don't have to answer questions. I get so afraid. I'm like terrifying. That, that, that's, that is, that is terrifying. Just because you, it's, you're for, you're a second away from, from possibly being on a t-shirt from being on a t-shirt. For being on a t-shirt honestly yeah so the scene of I, i'm not even gonna lie i got very triggered <laughs> seeing all those cops outside mm -hmm. i got because cops mean danger to black folks i don't immediately know. immediately immediately it's crazy because they're supposed to represent safety but i never feel more unsafe than when i'm around cops i've never felt that way about around firefighters and paramedics Honest to, honest to God, though. There's not a song that's called Fuck the, the Fire Department. It's true, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean right. That's it. There's nothing called Fuck the Fire Department. Like, so. And, and it's not like those, those institutions can't be racist. <laughs> but you are not so racist that we have to have taglines about you, bitch. It's Just true. saying. But then, I mean, again, look at the origin of police officers as slave catchers and, and, and uh, overseers and things like that. So I it... That's yeah. literally how they started. So that's how they started. That is how they started. That is how they started. And you're going to tell me something that got its start in that way is not going to be fundamentally racist. Like, come on now. That sounds insane. And like, violent. That, like they literally started as overseers who mm -hmm. went to catching people's property. Mm -hmm. People that look like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the property that they were going after. And then they were called patrollers and from patrollers to policemen. Let's be honest. Like the whole system is that, that's why I don't believe in reform. I don't believe that this can be reformed. It needs to be abolished. You can't reform something that's inherently racist. You just can't. You have to abolish it and start over. I'm sorry, you do. And this doesn't mean that no one gets protected anymore. Jesus Christ, read a book. Like, my God, there's strategies. I mean, there's so many ways. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, 
And they say that too. Well, who's gonna protect you? She's like, bro, cops don't protect anybody. All they do is show up and write a ticket. Like that's that, uh, they show that's up after a, we're dead. They, they show, show up, up long after. after. They show up long afterwards. So it's just like they're not protecting anybody. Like, so, you know, are till this day are here to protect property. Mm-hmm. That's all they're here to protect. It's not about people. Oh, so. At this moment, they go upstairs, like I said, and they're able to see that they are completely, like I said, completely and totally surrounded. And I am absolutely terrified. So Letty opens up the door and um, the same cop with the black man's body knocking on the door. And he's like, we have a warrant. We have this, he, he really said this shit. He's like, we have a warrant that says that the, um, the nation of Islam is gathering at your house. The nation of Islam. <laughs> the whole nation? No, I would have I said so much. This is why, this is why I would have died back then. We would have made it to 10 years the old. The nation <laughs> of Islam is here. <laughs> They, they they were gathering information, and their uh, and the nation of Islam is uh, here in retaliation for Emmett Till. And we all know this is bullshit, but we continue on. And then Buddy tried to walk to the door, but guess what? You remember Obia your woman? You remember uh, Obia your woman? Episode three, okay? She put that goat's blood on the door. Guess what? You can't get through, bitch. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, oh shit, we know magic, but so do you. Mm-hmm. So he, so that's what they realize. And all of a sudden, they just back up out the house real quick. And I'm like, that was, that was a little too easy. Mm-hmm. And then they say literally two words, and the whole room light up with bullets. They're like, I can't come in, but we can make sure we try and kill you from outside. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so much. It was so much. Now we flip to D, who is now in Hippolyta's office. I, I, it's like where they make the guidebook and shit. And she's basically holed up in there, right? She's grabbing weapons, uh, trying to see if she can protect herself, her, her, to protect herself. And all of a sudden, who come through? Flopsy and Mopsy, the hip hop eerie twins. <laughs> Go ahead. And they, they are now, they, 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 girl, they in there. They in there, they in there like swimwear. And I am so afraid for you, bitch. Like I'm so, I'm so scared. I'm so sincerely afraid. And then, then D picks up the pipe and she's trying to beat the shit out of this thing. And I'm so scared for everyone involved because her, uh, then her partner friend is windmilling outside the window. <laughs> she like Millie rocking outside the window. <laughs> And I'm like, oh shit, both of them inside. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. When I say I could not deal in this moment, I really wasn't. So then we flip back to where all of the shooting is happening. And Letty is on the floor with Ruby and all of her other boarders because the whole place is getting shot up. But then she suddenly remembers that she's invulnerable. That's what I think happened. I think she got, she remembered, I think she remembered that, um, that mm-hmm. she's been giving a, given like a power. And she starts to shit, uh, sit up and we literally are seeing bullets just glance off of her. And I'm just like, oh shit, this is about to get really fucking deep. 
And then we flip back to Dee, who's still trying to save her own damn life and trying to kill these terrible things. And we see Montrose is at the door banging to get in. And Montrose finally gets in and sees Dee is throwing this metal pipe around in an empty room. And I'm like, damn, damn, damn. Like, this is only gets so much work. But then you see it's like ripping through her flesh, like when he. Bro, <clears throat> he tries to hold her because he thinks that she's having some type of episode. And basically, he like held her down, is what mm -hmm. he. He, he, he didn't realize because one of the twins took their long ass nails and it put it through her arm and you see all of these black veins and rippled flesh going up to her face and shit and then you see that one of the other sisters all disappointed because I guess this one got to her first I was like what the fuck I was so... I was like D's gonna die <laughs> and especially since the officer said, oh, she's dead already. That's why they didn't run after her after she busts into the room and, and, and decided to tell everybody to go fuck off. They didn't go after her because they were like, oh, well, she's dead already because of whatever curse they had. So I'm just like, oh, shit. I guess that's real. We're not going to be able to save D. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset. So then we flip back to the Winthrop house. And now we're outside of the Winthrop house and we see Atticus actually walking up the street and he sees all the police officers swarmed around the, sh the street shooting at the home. Tell me all they had to do was go look at this nigga and they were like, oh shit. There's another one. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It was literally that. Okay, cool. Then of course um, we see Letty sees it yo the scream that ripped from mm -hmm. letty's throat when she saw that atticus was about to be shot that shit hurt me that was love that was love that was that was love know, that, that there's no other way to describe that because that shit that shit like like uh, pulling at my heartstrings is not a, an active enough statement for that 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 shit had me fucked up because I was just, and again I felt like I was watching this episode for the first time I'm like for the no. first time for the first time I know it was so crazy and we see uh Letty start to run and we know she's not gonna be fast enough for this bullet and then we see that this bullet is coming at Atticus and all of a sudden what bursts out the ground is the demon vampires we saw in episodes <laughs> one and two and it's black this time I was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the black vampire starts murking everybody this is my favorite part when i say this is one of the most satisfying scenes when he starts just just ripping cops apart and shit there was one oh no yeah it was part. like that tiktok of a, another satisfying racial moment <laughs> <laughs> exactly it was, it was satisfying once those bodies just started getting ripped to pieces i was, oh, I was like oh, satisfying. Finally, there was one part where he ripped off somebody and they were a little too close and atticus's mouth was open and all the guts and mm -hmm. shit got i was like we gotta work on your aim baby because that that's terrible like you gotta he's like, that's gonna be dreams later i can't anybody could tell me different um and and then after he's done doing all of, after the black vampire is done doing all of this additional damage, it's finished. And now it goes up to Atticus and Atticus like puts his hand up and the, and the monster just leans his head against him. And it's like, hey, damn. Yeah, like it was a like, fucking, like fucking, I don't know, like Furby or something. Like it was, was just scared. like, I was like, what? I was like, what? What just happened? 
but that's his friend. And it's the black version. So I'm like, oh shit, when did you make new vampires? Nigga, like, what happened to when did any of this happen? I'm not even going to lie. I was a little confused. And I was like, oh, I feel like I got to go. Back. Like, this is one of those shows where you're going to go back and watch something, watch mm-hmm. these episodes again and get a new perspective than you got the first time you watched them or the third time you watched them or the fourth time you watched them. <laughs> that much nuance. It's just the truth. And obviously... What I'm realizing is that spell that Atticus and Montrose did, they think that didn't work. It worked. worked. <laughs> it I worked. Like, Yo, black vampires coming through. And that was the end of episode eight. Let me tell you Ooh. something. What an amazing ride. I am so sorry that you guys are not going to be getting this at 11.11 tonight, but you will be getting it tomorrow at some point. Because we still got to work. I mean, we did it though. Yeah, but you know what? We did it. And I mean, again, that episode, Holy Ghost is still my favorite in the whole season. But I mean, that episode was, I mean, that one and I Am Hippolyta, uh, this one too was just... They're so, I mean, God, this show is just so fucking good. And it just makes me upset because it's just, it just creates this craving for more shows like this. And they're, and even if they do make them, they just don't last. Yeah, we will, we will have another show that is going to get canceled after a year, after getting Emmy nominations and all of these different things. Like I, I, and I also just want to say, um, Uncle George, uh, I believe his uh, his real name is Courtney, who is married to Angela Bassett. What a power couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to say, mm-hmm. I be forgetting y'all bitches is married. And I think that also would test the fact of how amazing actors they are in their own right. The fact that- Oh, I the actors know. brought all of this. The casting was perfect. Yes. I, I, I mean, everybody. And I mean- nobody was lacking there was no weak link like everybody because i've seen shows that either certain actors i just won't care for their scenes or where their story is i just don't really give a fuck about and you know you kind of stop paying attention but lovecraft country i mean every single element of this show as a whole every single episode every character I thought it, it, it. I think it's just so brilliantly written, uh, and again, the actors so absolutely incredibly played. You know, because I mean, the show wouldn't have been what it is, not just without the incredible talent behind the scenes, but I mean, front. You know, who's in front of the camera as well. It would. It honestly, I feel like um, this is going to be a show. This this series, I feel like, is going to be probably one of our most watched series, no matter how many series we do, because of how good this show is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think it's because um, the fact that there is so much layering and nuance and intricate storyline, <laughs> interested in every single character's storyline. How often does that happen? Rarely, if ever. Every single Black person I've brought up Lovecraft Country to always gets hype as fuck immediately. 
They're like, yo, that's one of the best fucking shows I've ever seen, yo. Like, yo, that show was amazing. And it's always the same. I'm so mad they canceled it. Why did they cancel it? Why did they cancel it? It's, it's always the same reaction. Lovecraft Country amongst us was quite popular. <laughs> you know? It was Black famous, as they call it. It really was Black famous. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really was like, you haven't seen Lovecraft? Like, I mean, it was... It was Bro, it, it is... I, I am so glad for everyone who has come with us on this journey to be able to review this show. We only got two episodes left and they will be on time. But... <laughs> this time we'll make sure that they will definitely be on time, everybody. Listen. We, we, we promise... Um, it's it's been know. crazy. My mama had COVID. Like, there's a we lot. It's, 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 it's fine. But most importantly, so with that being said, we hope you all did enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed uh, putting this one together. Uh, you can be sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Your Magical Negro Podcast. You could also follow me on Instagram at Serious Side Books, like Serious Black. And also be sure to check out uh, my books on Amazon, or you can find them on uh, my website, suicidebooks.com. Uh, how about you, Sid? Where could we find you? Um, you can go ahead and find me on Instagram at Brujita Sid Noir. And I'm also on TikTok as Not Your Magical Negro. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll be able to go ahead and see all of our content there. But before we do go, uh, who was the magical Negro? Oh my God, I, we forgot the most important part of the episode, <laughs> my favorite part of the episode. So who has the most magical Negro moment? I know Sid usually goes first. I'm gonna break tradition here. See if you disagree this time. I'm okay. gonna give it to D. I'm sorry. I think my baby D ate it up this episode. I think she faced her fears. I think she really held that shit down. I think like her intelligence, her resilience, I mean, her the, the way she developed this episode. And again, most importantly, just the way she really just, she ran initially, but the way she stood her ground. Yes. I and and really closed herself somewhere and was like, I'm gonna fucking finish this shit. I think I to me, I'ma just have it to give it to D. I I I really I I really Listen, do like I I I a hundred percent agree. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree. I feel like D just going through what she went through this episode is enough for me to give you not your magical Negro. <laughs> Absolutely. She definitely would I de I definitely think she's worthy of the crown of most magical Negro in this episode, if I do say so myself. Hundred percent. And I hope that y'all also agree. I am so glad that me and Tony can continue to bring this with you. And uh, as Tony always says, stay magical, guys. You forgot the most important, stay black and stay <laughs> magical. <laughs> see, see, I messed it up. Stay, see, it was the first time I did it. It's okay. I was, I was excited for you to say it. I was like, say it, stay black. Go on, say it, say it. Stay black and stay magical. <laughs> All right now. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. What about Ebound? Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now. Heard on who they want to be now. What about Ebound? Everybody.